morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee. It's Thursday, the 6th of September. It's ridiculously early in the morning. We've got lots of stuff coming up in the show this morning, including... Imagine the scene. You're about to take your child to school, but it's got no planning permission, and there's nowhere to drop them off. Well, that's exactly what's happening to parents at One Bedford School today. A couple who fired a shotgun to defend their, their home from burglars won't be charged. How far would you go to protect your own home? And I've got a dirty secret. I'm a huge fan of Celebrity Big Brother. I know, I'm ashamed to admit it, and I was gutted last night that Julie Goodyear, Bet Lynch no less, got booted out of the Celebrity Big Brother house. Was she right to get so many boos when she was evicted? Give me a call now, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Is there anybody listening who doesn't know that's Belinda Carlisle? Is there anybody? I had, I will confess this now, I had the biggest crush on Belinda Carlisle while I was about 14 years old. Man alive. Good morning. Uh, this is Ian Lee. Thank you to David and uh, thank you to Helen for keeping the seat warm. Uh, it's my seat now, so back off. Picture the scene. You want to drop your child or your grandchild off at school, but there's nowhere to leave them. There are no playing fields, and there isn't even a playground, or not much of one. And the school itself doesn't have planning permission and could close later this month. Incredible, isn't it? It's happening today. Exactly what's happening at Bedford Free School this morning. The Liberal Democrat-run council has twice rejected planning permission for it, but the school is still opening. Councillor Anita Gerrard is chair of Bedford Borough's Council Planning Committee, and she voted against the school. The location is on a very busy road. There are young children involved, and, and there's a lot of traffic. There would inevitably be more traffic, which would cause disruption to many users of the road. And all pedestrians, as I say, particularly the young children, would potentially be at more risk of, of accidents. That was very much at the forefront of our thoughts. Well, Gareth Dunk is a parent whose son is due to attend this morning. He explained why he wanted to send his son to this school. He spoke to our reporter Paul Scoynes recently after a meeting in which the council rejected the plans for the school. Well, he, was, he was due at another school division here in September and we saw this uh, free school because he's moved over with us recently from Milton Keynes and we saw this opportunity was a lot better than uh, you know, I'm not slagging any schools down but it was a lot better than some of the other schools and it was a great opportunity 200 kids in in, a, in upper school is brilliant you know as opposed to maybe 400 that sort of thing you know so it's a brilliant opportunity and and you get a lot more personal attention so you know the transport wise between the two was not much different really you know he was going to have to either ride walk get the bus whatever and and we spoke to Mark, we, we saw the adverts with the school originally. Mark has been over, overjoyed, he's been very, very personal attention to everybody. Brilliant, you know, can't, can't fault him for a minute, you know. He's the, head, he's the head teacher. Basically. He's the head teacher, yeah. So then tonight's decision, which is, you know, an official rejection, yeah. how does, how, I mean, you were very upset about it in well, the meeting, weren't you? Because yeah. you stood up and said something to the council. Well, I stood up because I'm shocked because... Nowadays, I've actually qualified as a site manager. Week by week, you have to deal with management plans and you have to deal with the traffic and you have to work it round. So they've literally, they're just taking it on a basis of, it's no good, you know, it can't work, it, this, that and everything else, but it can. And it can be done. Someone stood up themselves and said, well, we can, maybe in a month's time, we can look at it again. But it seems like the council's objections to it, they're not interested. They just want to cut the whole thing and say, it's no good. No one's interested, and, and that's that, which is a real shame because a lot of 
from what I've seen, a lot of passion has gone into this school, and that's and there's 200 kids going to go here. So, and and you know the school are saying we're going to open. Yeah. So they're they going to yeah. defy this ruling that's tonight. Right, yeah. The school are well up for opening. Going back six months ago, minimum, they said we've got backup plan after backup plan after backup plan, and we're going to open, and that's it. You know, and literally even today. I've come out of that meeting and I was a bit, you know, frustrated with the whole thing and they've literally agreed that they will still be opening. We're going to be here next week. It's next Thursday. It's not like six months away. It's next Thursday. You know, obviously we've got a backup plan, but we don't want the backup plan. We wanted to be here. The, the sign's up. Yeah. The sign is up above the school. What more do you want to do from that? You know, the sign is up. The builders are in. So where do we go from there? You know, we're going to be here. We're going to bring him in. I'm bringing him in next Thursday. You know, that's that. You know, I'll bring him in myself. It doesn't matter. It does sound incredible, doesn't it? That was uh, Gareth Dunk, who is a parent of uh, a boy who's going to start the school today, speaking to our reporter, Paul Scoynes. It seems incredible that a school is opening that's got no planning permission. It's got no playing fields. Uh, and I was reading, it's got a tiny playground and at capacity, each child would have, I think, half a square metre in the playground. Um, if you live nearby, do you agree with the council's decision not to give it planning permission? Their big argument was uh, road safety, that it would congest the roads and it could be particularly dangerous. Do you agree with that? 08459 555 is the phone number. You can text as well, 81333, starting your text 3CR, or email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. I prefer you called, to be honest. One of the things when we're doing this, when I'm doing this show, is I really want to talk to you and get your opinions and your stories. So 08459 555 555. And uh, also, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is going to be outside Bedford Free School all morning from about 6.45 this morning. So if you're dropping off your kids, if you live nearby, if you've got an opinion on this, go and grab Justin and have a word with him from about quarter to seven. Now, a couple who fired... This story has been all over the papers. You'll have seen this. This is incredible. A couple who fired a shotgun to defend their home from burglars won't be charged. The husband and wife were arrested on suspicion of causing grievous bodily harm after a legally owned shotgun was fired during a break-in at their isolated rural home on Sunday. Government Minister Alan Duncan said he was delighted that the Crown Prosecution Service had seen sense by deciding not to take criminal action against Andy and Tracy Ferry from Leicestershire. Now, don't want to talk about the burglary because that's an ongoing case and that's fine. Don't necessarily want to talk about the actions of these two people, but I do want to ask, how far would you go to defend your home? It, it's an, we, we've all considered it haven't we? I've always kind of thought I would lock myself in the bathroom uh, or, or I would lie in my bed and pretend to be asleep while they ransacked my house. That was until I had kids. Suddenly you have kids and then the whole Neanderthal man kind of kicks in and you think, well, actually, if someone did break into my house, I've got literally no idea what I would do. What would you do to defend uh, your home and your property, 08459 455 555. Uh, some of you have contacted me uh, on Twitter already this morning. Thank you for that, at BBC, uh, at BBC3CR. Dean says, I'd do enough to get a prison sentence. Dean, give me a call. What does that mean? Chris says, I'm not sure Chris is taking this completely seriously. I'd defend my home like a tower defence game, funnel the enemy into narrow spaces. Uh, and Ross says, my family comes first, so if they're in danger, I'd use violence to defend them and my home. Uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. 
The time is 6.15 on Thursday, the 6th of September. These are your BBC Three Counties headlines. The French authorities say a four-year-old girl has been found alive under the bodies of three people, thought to be British tourists, shot dead in a car in southeastern France. A couple who were arrested after they fired a shotgun at suspected intruders at their home in Leicestershire have been told they won't face charges. And in sport, Andy Murray has reached the semi-finals of the US Tennis Open after beating Croatia's Marin Cilic. Uh, we will be asking as well a little bit later on, how far would you go to defend your home? You can give us a call about that or any of the other uh, things we're talking about this morning on 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because w- would you... There was the case with Tony Martin a few years ago uh, where he got, he got sentenced t- uh, for murder and it was reduced to manslaughter. Now, the interesting thing about Tony Martin was he shot uh, a 16-year-old lad in the back. That's what made it such a tricky case, is uh, it, it, the young lad was running away. And that's kind of when the law changes slightly. If someone is fleeing your property... You have to give them the opportunity to flee. Now, some of you might say, yeah, but they might be going off to get a load of people to come back and, and kick me in or, or do whatever. That's the law, and that's why Tony Martin uh, struggled with his defence case. What would you do? 08459 455 555. How far would you go to defend your own home? I'm kind of the, the mind. If someone comes into my home, do you know what? You can take what you want, just don't hurt my family. That's the thing. If, if it started get looking like my family was in danger, I think then I might start getting a little bit aggressive. I say aggressive, I'm the most passive person in the world. I'm hoping that the fact I'm tall, I'm about six foot three and quite broad of shoulder. I'm hoping that would be enough to scare them away. I haven't got any weapons at home, certainly don't have a shotgun. Don't think I've got any bats or any sticks or anything like that I could use. Uh, ben has texted him. 81333, starting his text, 3CR. I would get anything I could lay my hands on to defend myself and family. If somebody chooses to break the law, they must accept what comes to them. And I think that's the thing. Defend my family, 100%. I would die for my boys. You know, if I had to, I would do that without a a, a moment's hesitation. For me TV, me Xbox, uh, it's covered on the house insurance. I'd be annoyed, I'd be humiliated... Uh, I'd be upset, but is it worth getting into a fight, potentially going to prison, because someone's taking your PlayStation? Really? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I know that some of you listening will have very strong opinions on this. Maybe it's happened to you. Maybe you've been in that situation. Maybe you have had to defend your home, your business, your shop. Be really good to hear from you this morning. Oh eight four five nine. Four double five. I've been away for a few weeks, and I've been listening to Jonathan. He just gets filthier and filthier. The answer to that question is, I sit down for a wee most of the time. It's just easier, isn't it? It's more comfortable. I'm getting an age where I don't want to be standing all the time. It's not very good. Jonathan will be in in a couple of hours to let us know what's happening on his show. I'm In, in many ways, I'm looking forward to that moment. I'm also dreading it. Uh, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455555. I can't believe it. It's status quo. Fantastic. Now, you can laugh at status quo, but you have to remember, up until 1977, they were a blooming good band. After that, they got a little bit tedious. And, of course, this is the theme tune to Argos. But... 
this stuff is rocking, man. Listen to this. I once, although I did go to a status quo concert once, it was free tickets, uh, and the first 30 minutes was fantastic. The next two and a half hours, uh, they kind of dragged on a little bit. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple who fired a shotgun to defend their home from burglars won't be charged. The husband and wife were arrested on suspicion of causing grievous bodily harm after a legally owned shotgun was fired during a break-in at their isolated rural home on Sunday. Government Minister Alan Duncan said he was delighted that the Crown Prosecution Service had seen sense by deciding not to take criminal action against Andy and Tracy Ferry from Leicestershire. Well, we're joined on the line now by Jeremy Dean QC, who's a criminal defence barrister. Good morning, Jeremy. Good, good morning. Now, Jeremy, according to the law, how far can someone go to protect their home? Well, according to the law, the principle is very straightforward, which is that a person is entitled to use reasonable force to defend their property. Obviously, when put into practice, that principle can become far more complex. It does sound a little bit vague, doesn't it? Because obviously it's specific to each particular incident. So, but in this, let's talk about this case specifically, but it would appear that in certain circumstances, firing a gun is reasonable force. Yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is, it is vague. The difficulty is that, you know, there has to be a principle of law to govern every situation, whether this type of situation or any other situation. Mm. And obviously the reason why we have juries and sometimes trials become protracted is because when, you know, um, real-life situations arise, applying that principle of law can be much more difficult. And this case that you've been talking about, the one that's been publicised over the last 24 hours, is a, a prime example of how, you know, situations can be very, very difficult to address in real life. Am I right in, in thinking that the, the, the Tony Martin situation, that I'm sure our listeners rem- will remember, he went to prison for murder, then it was downgraded to manslaughter. Yeah. The problem was that he shot the young lad in the back as he was fleeing. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's, that's absolutely right. And obviously the complicating factor there was, firstly, that he actually fired the gun, and secondly, that the burglar was escaping at the time, and that mm. was the problem for him. There will be some listeners, though, Jeremy, who would say, listen, once you come into my property, that's it. There are, there are no rules. I, I, I will do everything I can. And if they're running away, who knows what they're running away to do, whether it's to disappear or to bring more people round? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, look, I can quite understand, I think we can all un- understand that there are going to be members of the public who feel that once you cross that threshold, that all holes are barred. But the problem is... Mm. That in the kind of society we live in, I think we all, in the cold light of day, we all have to respect the fact that there is a line which cannot be crossed. Mm. And to use lethal violence in a situation which doesn't threaten lethal violence is, you know, arguably a draconian reaction and an excessive reaction. And that's the policy of the law at the moment. It's an emotive uh, subject, isn't it? Because I know that if, if, as I was saying earlier, if someone broke into my house to steal my telly and my Xbox, do you know what? I'd let them have it. It's covered on the house insurance. If they took one step towards my sons or my wife, though, then uh, then it is open season, isn't it? Yeah, well, Ian, I think, again, you've raised an interesting point because the basic scenario that we're talking about is defence of property. But once threat to the individual, physical threat to the individual enters the equation, then the principle of self-defence still applies in the same terms, i.e. you can use reasonable force, but Mm. the courts would certainly take a far more generous approach in terms of interpreting that principle when the threat 
transforms from one of, you know, mere threat to property to actual threat to the individual. Jeremy, final question very quickly. Uh, Should our listeners have weapons by their bed? Is that recommended? In all seriousness, Ian, and this is is a straightforward response, the answer is no, because um, if that is what people do, there is every risk that that weapon will be used in a way which will be interpreted by the law as excessive force, and therefore the householder could get him or herself into far more trouble than is desirable. Jeremy, listen, I know we woke you up early. Thank you very much. That's Jeremy Dean QC, who is a criminal defence barrister. You heard what he said. He's coming from the point of law. How far would you go to defend your home and your family, or your shop, or your business, or your company, or your car? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. You can text eight one three double three. Starting your text three CR. I would really like to talk to you. It's an emotive thing, isn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half hour, I'll be taking your calls on how far you would go to protect your property. I'll be speaking to John Inflitic. He was burgled. I'll be finding out what he did next and why you can save money when driving, no matter what kind of car you drive. If you want to give me a call on this or anything else that we're talking about this morning, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Phil Collins. Phil Collins in the air tonight. We've been talking uh, loosely about this. This uh, couple in Leicestershire who um, uh, fired at burglars in their home uh, were held in police custody for three days. Seems like quite a long time, but won't be charged. And we are asking, how far would you go to defend your house? Uh, We've had uh, a few texts and emails. Daniel says, again, Daniel, I'm not sure you're taking this 100% seriously. If someone broke into my house, I would fight to the death to defend my Xbox... I would grab my bedside cattle prod and shove... Daniel, come on now, please, be serious. It does raise an interesting question. We, we, we talked uh, with Jeremy Dean, QC, uh, and I asked, should people have a weapon by their bed? My tongue was ever so slightly in my cheek, but there is a serious point to it. His answer was no, because then that could be construed in a court of law that it was going to be used for, for, for some uh, alternative purpose. But it does make you think, doesn't it? If someone broke into your house, where is the nearest thing you have to defend yourself... In your house. I'm, I'm slightly hesitant to use the word weapon because it has all kinds of implications. But I guess that's what we're talking about. Where is the nearest weapon in your house? I'm trying to think what I've got. I haven't got a cricket bat. I haven't got a baseball bat. Certainly don't have a shotgun. Jason High Wickham says, read the shooting of intruders in Leicestershire. I think the decision not to prosecute the property owners was the right one. I have my late father-in-law's police truncheon. Oh my goodness, that's terrifying. Those old—if you've ever seen one of those old police truncheons, boy, oh boy, they pack a punch. I have my late father-in-law's police truncheon in a safe place in our bedroom, and if we had intruders in our house, I wouldn't hesitate in using it to defend my family and property if necessary. I think people should be allowed to use force and have more rights to protect their homes and families in the event they're being invaded by intruders. After all, they have no right to be in your property stealing or possibly using violence in the first place. I've just remembered something. I've just remembered. If you've ever been in one of these situations, it's just dawned on me I have. It's kind of terrifying and you don't know what to do. I was, uh, uh, I went round to a friend's house. I've just remembered this. Isn't this funny? Years ago, late at night and i knocked my friend's door because i was staying there the night uh and it took him ages to open it i was like come on steve open the door and i opened the door and he was with a young lad i thought hello this is suspicious we went upstairs and i was like me being an idiot didn't really think anything bundled into his flat and steve looked terrified as white as a sheet 
Come on, you're right, mate. Who's your friend? He said, oh, this guy's broken in. He's burgling the house. And I'd bundled in like a, a numpty. All right, lads. He was a burglar. Now, <laughs> this guy, it, what was slightly laughable was he didn't have a baseball bat. He had a rounder's bat. Now, rounder's bats are quite short. They don't look quite as terrifying. You wouldn't want to whack around the head from one, but they don't look quite as terrifying. So uh, I'm cleverly, I've got my mobile phone in my pocket, and I'm dialing 999 on the phone in my pocket. And I'm going, so, Steve, we're at your house and there is a burglar here. What is the address of the house again? Steve was like, what? I said, what is the address? Thinking that the police would hear this, and it would be awesome, and they would come round. Uh, I got my phone up later on, I dialed 666. There was no chance of the police going round. I, I dialed the number of the beast, which was pretty awful. Uh, but that was terrifying. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make there is, we were terrified. And all we just kind of stood there passively going, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir, take what you want. And we made no attempt to rush him. The two of us could have taken him. We made no attempt to rush him at all because we were so scared. Anyway, I'm going off on a slight tangent. But wh- how far would you go to defend your house? And where is the nearest weapon in your home? 08459-455-555. Moving on. It doesn't matter what sort of car you own. Apparently, because you can save money by improving your driving habits. Test drivers at Millbrook Proving Ground in Bedfordshire have been demonstrating how to do it with three motors. A big, fast petrol guzzler, a BMW 5 Series, a Vauxhall diesel van, and also a hybrid motor. Our reporter, Serena Farrow, has been to meet instructor Justin Middleton to see if she's got what it takes to drive economically. Yeah, there we go. Did you want the aircon on? Well, it's economy driving, you see. It shouldn't, should we? Yeah. For economy driving, what you've got to do is anticipate what's in front, come off the throttle as soon as you can, and sort of coast for as long as you can. Yeah. But when you accelerate, I always say you want to have brisk acceleration. You don't want to dawdle, but you don't want to go flat out. If the car's got a big enough engine, you don't need to use too many revs. Okay. Okay, should we go? Yeah, get cracking. Push the key in. There we go. Okay? Should we crack on? Yep. That way, just mind this bloke. About to walk in front of us. So what we're going to do is we're going to drive around the city route and then go around the hill route and then go around the bowl. So the city is like in stop-start traffic. The hill route is just alpine-type driving and then the bowl is to simulate sort of motorway. So head round to the left. Um, this uh, hairpin here that we're going around, I don't know what that simulates. <laughs> Wrong turn, perhaps, turning round. I think that sounds like me, actually. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> So we're now into the hill phase, is this what yeah, we're this doing is, now? This is the hills are steep and the bends are sharp. And it's a very steep hill, so you might need to, to change down here. As we go around to the right here, yeah. a little bit of trivia. This is where they uh, rolled the Aston Martin for Casino Royale, just over Ooh. this hill. We're yeah. now going back to the bowl to simulate motorway driving. I won't say what speed, but whatever motorway speed that you loosely drive at in this country. <laughs> Depends if I'm in a rush that day or not. All right. Yeah. Are you always in a rush? <laughs> I'm Anthony Sowler, senior engineer within the powertrain department. It's, it's all about showing people how to drive efficiently. So showing the knowledge and the experience that we've got here at Millbrook on how to understand how vehicles work and how they operate and be able to relate that to how to get the most out of all the vehicles and, and how the three vehicles that we've got here can all be driven really efficiently. And one, of course, is the 5 Series, the BMW which I drove. What are the other two then? And we've also got a Vauxhall Favaro diesel van and the new Vauxhall Ampera as well, which is a, a hybrid vehicle. There was a target set of 41.92. And 
I got 37.82. Not far off. So, if we had to say there's a lesson to be learned, where do you think I could have improved slightly? I mean, clearly, I'm brilliant anyway, but where, where do you think I could have improved? <laughs> you probably pumped the throttle a bit at times, when, especially like when you entered the motorway part, so you revved the engine needlessly for the speed that you were going. So, so I should have just selected gear a bit quicker. Yeah, you could have changed up a bit sooner. That would have probably saved probably a reasonable amount, to be fair, just by even doing that. You did all right, to be fair. You did very well. I'm Neil Fulton. I'm group head of powertrain engineering at Millbrook. All of the exhibitors here are demonstrating the different technologies that they've come along to show off to their customers and to the industry at large. What we've focused on on the Millbrook stand is our expertise in measuring fuel consumption and energy consumption. So we've got a different range of technologies, gasoline and diesel, but also electric technology that we have fitted equipment, data logging equipment, to measure the fuel consumption or the energy consumption of these vehicles. And we've kind of set up a competition, a bit of a uh, a leaderboard type competition to see who's going to win the Millbrook trophies. I suppose now more than ever it's important with the recession to get the best fuel consumption as well. Perfect timing really. Yeah, it is perfect timing. We've spent a lot of time with a lot of different customers working with them on how to best uh, improve their fuel consumption. One of the things that we see is some some of the training that we provide allows people to get improvements of anywhere up to sort of 25, 35%, which when you're looking at the cost of fuel, that really turns out to be quite a significant amount of fuel for a lot of people. And if you're just wondering, uh, after Serena's race around Millbrook Proving Ground in that competition, which tests for efficient driving skills in the BMW 5 Series, she's top of the leaderboard. Oh, very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, 08459 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call at any point. One of the things, th- th- there are so many tricks, aren't there, to saving petrol. You don't have loads of stuff in the car. You don't drive, you don't keep braking. I mean, obviously you brake when a brake would be uh, appropriate, but otherwise you don't. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday, the 6th of September, 6.46. These are your headlines this morning. The French authorities say a four-year-old girl has been found alive under the bodies of three people, thought to be British tourists, shot dead in a car in southeastern France. A couple who were arrested after they fired a shotgun at suspected intruders at their home in Leicestershire have been told they won't face charges. In sport, Andy Murray has reached the semi-finals of the US Tennis Open after beating Croatia's Marin Cilic. And your weather, it's going to start with mist and fog, which will clear, leaving long spells of hazy sunshine and some occasional patchy cloud. There'll be a light southwesterly breeze, maximum temperature 20 degrees Celsius. Is it Celsius or centigrade? I never know these days. It's a C. Coming up on the show, no playground, no planning permission, nowhere to drop the kids, and no clear answer whether it will stay open. Does that sound like somewhere you'd send your kids? Well, that's exactly what's happening this morning at Bedford Free School. It opens today, and they're not sure what their future is. You'll hear later on from the councillor in charge of education. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we're talking about the Paralympics in a bit. I went. Did you go? Oh, I had a fantastic day. Here's Christina Train. That's nice, isn't it? Christina Train, dream of me. Very nice. <clears throat> Have you been enjoying the Paralympics? It's been a huge success. I went uh, when I was here a few uh, a month ago, six weeks ago. Gosh, who knows? Uh, we all kind of got Olympic fever, and we all bought a load of tickets. And I bought tickets to go to the XL Centre. I went on Saturday. Uh, I saw two world records being broken. Ladies weightlifting. Oh, I know. It's a niche sport, but that's one of the good things about uh, the Olympics and the Paralympics is it's kind of brought slightly odder 
uh, events into the fore. I was laughed at for going to the uh, women's powerlifting. It was good. It was amazing. And uh, the Nigerian uh, competitor broke two world records. It was incredible. I know, have you ever seen a world record being b- broken? I don't just mean, you know, someone eating three crackers in 30 seconds. A proper world record. I did. It was incredible. Everyone stood up and applauded and cheered and whistled. It was an amazing experience. Absolutely amazing. Also got to see, um, I, I, I'm not sure what it was called. It was sitting down volleyball was what it was. So volleyball, but hey, get, guess what? You sit down and play it. That was fun. Germany versus Russia. I saw a bit of table tennis. The table tennis I found confusing because there were maybe 16 table tennis tables all at the same time. And we were sat quite near the back. And suddenly the audience would cheer and I'd go, oh, who, what, what are they cheering? And I would com- just completely miss what was going on but it was thoroughly enjoyable well the paralympics are going on and they are proving a huge success and day seven was another prosperous one for the gb team with two golds six silver and five bronze added to the tally which now stands at 92 overall today should have plenty to offer as well with some mouth-watering races in the olympic stadium we can talk to our reporter matt leach good morning matt morning Ian. matt let's start with yesterday and it was another good night in the pool apparently Oh, it was. The, the success really is continuing for the swimming team uh, at the Aquatic Centre with six more medals added to the tally just there in the pool last night. And they included a gold for Ollie Hind in the 200 metres individual medley. Ollie Hind shows no sign of stopping. His arms are reaching out for the wall. Five metres to go. Stronger and stronger he looks. That's gold for Hind. His first Paralympic gold. And he's achieved that first gold uh, at, at only 17, and it's his third medal at these games, and he just looks a great prospect for the future. And another really excellent race to mention in the pool came in the 100 metres breaststroke for women when Liz Johnson took bronze and Charlotte Henshaw silver, with Charlotte missing out on a goal by three hundredths of a second as she stretched for the wall at the end. I find it amazing. He was 17 and he's won a gold medal. What were you doing at 17, Matt? Because I was, I was drinking and... and playing computer games i was down the pub yeah exactly <laughs> i mean you know you just it makes you think what was i up to <laughs> it's amazing the other gold of the day came from uh, cyclist sarah stoney and she's having a fantastic game isn't she yeah i mean sarah's story is a fantastic uh, you know uh, achiever she she really can't stop winning she she's got her third gold in three events she got two in the velodrome and then she turned up at the time trial uh, at brands hatch in kent and demolished the opposition uh, to win what is her 10th career paralympic gold and amazingly five of those were in swimming before she even decided to have a go at cycling and she's now got five there as well her fourth event is today the road race if she wins that then she uh, uh, gets a share of the record of 11 golds for a gb paralympic athlete and today also, so I'm just laughing because it's just all of this. She, she went from swimming to cycling. It's just making my life seem so pathetic it's and unfit. Worse, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, today looks like it's going to be a good evening for athletics in the Olympic Stadium with uh, the one 100 metre race looking particularly tasty for us. Yeah, indeed, it's it's going to be good. I think uh, the the Blade Runner is back tonight, Oscar Pistorius, and he's up against the rising star of British sprinting Johnny Peacock, who was the fastest qualifier for the final. He actually holds the 
world record now in that event. I think he got that in June, and that's happening at around 9.25 tonight, so worth looking out for. Uh, Oscar Pistorius, of course, uh, uh, really made the headlines for that reaction to the 200-metre defeat, and uh, he's been talking about his complaints uh, then that he made about the, the length of his opponent's blades. Made them, didn't he, literally after crossing the line, and he now says, as we can hear, the timing of those comments he really regards as an error of judgment. It just came out at the wrong time, you know, and I've apologised to, to Alan um, and apologised to, you know, my supporters. Uh, it's not like me and uh, I've got to be gracious and I think that's one of the things I learned, you know. You can be humble when you win, it's easy, but to be gracious when you lose, uh, that's not something that uh, I did and I'm very sorry for that. So he's saying there he needs to be more gracious. Uh, yeah, of course he does. It's the Olympics and the Paralympics. Yeah. That's what you do. And when you haven't lost for seven years or whatever it was, I guess it's hard to take. But in the end, he just came across as a really bad loser, didn't My he? friend on Twitter, Barry from Watford, tweeted. <laughs> and this was genuine. He tweeted, I feel really sorry for Oscar Pistorius. He was robbed. Ten minutes later, he tweeted, I've just found out Oscar isn't British. Shut up, you whinging loser. <laughs> Which I thought was a bit harsh, but it, it's not very sportsmanlike immediately after the race to start questioning the result, is it? It was very poor, and it meant that the poor Brazilian guy, yeah. you know, uh, who's clearly, well, you know, everyone, the officials are saying there's been nothing, nothing was done. He won. Wrong, so, you know, he won, yeah. and he had to face immediately uh, uh, microphones in his face asking him whether he's cheating or not, in effect. And, you know, that's not really the way you want to sort of celebrate your gold medal, is it? We're also going to get to see David Weir again in another final, aren't we? Oh, what, what a competitor he is. And uh, yes, indeed, he goes for his third gold uh, of the games in the 800-metre final at around about 9.15 tonight. So I think the place to be between about 9 o'clock and 9.30 is watching those athletics events with those two races. And the way he's been dominating uh, the opposition, uh, Ian, you wouldn't bet against him. I mean, they, they look terrified of him, the other competitors, every time he, he gets on the start line. And uh, later in the week, he goes in the marathon. Um, and just to mention very quickly, quickly a few other things to watch out mm. for today guaranteed medals in the sailing uh, which will be the first time uh, that uh, gb have won medals in the paralympic sailing uh, because competitors are, are well placed as they go into the final races today uh, the men's team are going the semi-final of the wheelchair basketball and don't forget the pool again where jonathan fox people may remember him he's already got a gold goes for another one in the 400 meter freestyle matt lovely talking to you thank you very much that's matt leach our reporter with uh, his eye on the paralympics i did enjoy going to the Paralympics on Saturday. The one thing that made me uncomfortable, uh, and they were doing a brilliant job, this isn't to knock them at all because they're all fantastic volunteers, but there were so many volunteers all smiling, all saying hello. Good morning, sir. Hello, sir. Good morning. Great day. It, it, as a British person, I found that slightly uncomfortable. People being nice to me without any reason other than they're just being nice, it sat very uncomfortably with me. 08459 455555. In the next hour, we'll be speaking to Justin Dealey, who is outside the controversial Bedford Free School. If you live near there, if you're dropping your kids off there, see if you can find him and have a word with him and let him know what you think about the whole situation. But first, here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Thank you, Catherine. Good morning. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We're here until nine o'clock. 
when uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith comes in and takes over. We've got two hours and we've got lots of stuff and we really want your input on this. So keep listening. I'm going to give you a phone number in a few seconds. Write it down and use it. Imagine the situation. You're at home, you're in bed, you hear a noise, you creep downstairs and there's a burglar rifling through your knickknacks. What do you do? I've been asking this morning how far you would go to protect your home. Give me a call, 08459 455 555. Why, 200 children are going to a Bedford school today which doesn't even have planning permission. And I I do like Celebrity Big Brother. I know, it's not fashionable to admit it. But be honest, you do as well, don't you? Of course you do. Well, Julie Goodyear, Bet Lynch to you and me, left the Big Brother house to lots of booze last night. Did she deserve it? She's a 70-year-old woman. Do we really boo 70-year-old women these days? You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR, but I prefer it if you gave us a call. We'll be nice to you-ish. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, this morning I've been asking how far would you go to protect your home? Uh, a judge in Teesside uh, released uh, a prolific... Oh, this is interesting. We'll do that in a second. Yes, I've been asking how far would you go to defend your home? Uh, the reason we're talking about this story is uh, because of Andy and Tracy Ferry from Leicestershire. They're not going to be prosecuted after firing a shotgun at two intruders in their house. So how far would you go to defend yourself against burglars? We can talk now to David in Milton Keynes. David, you were burgled about 12 years ago. That's correct, yeah. What happened? Tell us, set the scene for us. Uh, it was, me and my wife were, well, my wife now, but not my wife then. We was arranging our wedding. Your lover at the time. Yeah, we was arranging our wedding, and we'd gone over to the hall where we was going to have our reception. Yeah. And uh, they'd asked us for something, and I hadn't got it with me, so I said, oh, I'd better pop back and get it. Well, I came back to the house, and we'd only been gone sort of 20 minutes, and we came back to the house, but I only came in uh, through the front door, picked up what I wanted off the side and went straight back out again. So I hadn't gone into the kitchen. If I'd gone into the kitchen, I'd have noticed the window had been ripped open. Uh, but I didn't go into the kitchen. Or, and because of the windows on the side of the house in the back garden, I didn't see it from coming to the front of the house. So I, I reckon the burglar was in the house at that time. Wow. Obviously, it had been quiet, uh, kept quiet, so I just came in, picked up what I wanted, and then left again. And we was gone a total of about 55 minutes, if that. But when we got back, they'd ransacked our bedroom, mainly. Uh, they obviously was looking for something small they could just put in their pockets, because all they stole was my wife's jewellery, uh, all jewellery stuff. They didn't take... There was playstation games and stuff like that david how did it make you and your wife feel knowing that people have been in your house and have been through your things uh myself personally i i think men view it differently i think i mean i i was i was annoyed mad obviously because i'd caught them in here i'd have asked them to pick a window because that's that they'd have gone out a window but obviously i didn't i i but for women, obviously, they've been through all the small drawers and throwing everything all over the place, which I think to them is more like being raped, I think, for a woman. I don't know. They just seem they just seem to feel that she was so stressed and thinking about it. She wanted to move, like, that night. We mentioned in the couple that, uh, um, that, that fired a shotgun. If you'd have been there, David, what would you have done? Um, if I'd have caught the person in the ass, 
I would have probably known me back then because I was a bit younger now. I'd probably beat the crap out of them. Watch your language, sir. Apologies yeah, to anyone offended sorry. by the category sorry. C. No, it's yeah. all right, don't worry. I know it's, yeah. it's a motive subject. We just have to be careful. We've got yeah. young ears listening this I morning. Have, I would have probably uh, battered them, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, and then asked them which window they wanted to go out because they'd have gone through it. And do you feel that, uh, uh, that as a homeowner, you should be able to do whatever you want? Well, the, the Englishman's owns his castle, isn't it? And if someone uninvited is in there ransacking it and stealing your stuff, I think you should be well entitled to do whatever you feel you need to do to protect yourself. David, thank you very much. David Milton Keynes, but apologies for anyone who's offended. You won't be offended by that. It's a category C, but I have to say that we do have young ears listening. David was just uh, being very emotive because it's an emotive thing. Matt's in Luton. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. What's your story? Well... Uh, I, I don't realise what that QC guy is talking about. He's talking a lot of rubbish. Well, this is the fella who said that you can defend yourself within reason, uh, but if people are fleeing, then you have to let them go. Uh, well, it depends. If I could run as fast as them, I'd catch them. You do what, sorry? If I could run as fast as them, I would catch them. Why? Because they're, they're broken into my house, and it's a disgrace. I have got a shillelagh in my bedroom. I'm looking at it now. A shillelagh? Yes. What's a shillelagh? It's a, a long stick. It's an Irish type of stick. And uh, it, I would defend myself to the hilt. But you wouldn't run down the street with your shillelagh, would you? Too right, I would. I will give you an instance. Last night, yeah. two nights ago, I come back from seeing my wife uh, in the home and uh, it was dusk. It was about half past eight. And there was two, across the road, she's moved out, and there was a skip where they'd cleaned all the rubbish out of the house. And there was two guys in the skip. And I thought, what's going on here? So I went to the skip. I went, I said, what are you two guys doing here? Not in so nice a way. And uh, he said, uh, we're, we're clearing all the bits. I said, do you know this lady that lived here? He said, yeah. I said, you don't. Now get out of the skip or I'm coming across and calling the police. And I didn't have anything on me. No. And I didn't realise I should have taken my shillelagh. No, Matt, you shouldn't have taken your shillelagh. You'd have got in terrible trouble if you approached two men in a skit with a shillelagh. So what? But, Matt, it's not so worth... Th- listen, someone taking something from a skip, let them have it. It's not worth you getting beaten up or going to prison for, is it? Well, at that, pr- at that very moment, you, you, you must do what you think is right. But you know it's against the law. If, if, let's go back to them I breaking into your house. the law. If they broke into my house, I would stick up for what I've got. You catch up with them in a corner, two lads, you got your shillelagh. Well, Honestly, what would, you do, what would you do, Matt? Whack them. <laughs> Matt, listen, thank you very much for your honesty. I appreciate it. I have to say, we spoke to Jeremy Dean QC earlier on, and, you know, that would be illegal. He made it very clear that you shouldn't have weapons lying by your bed. Uh, and if someone is fleeing your house... You shouldn't chase after them. Let them go. Because what are you going to do? Matt, I appreciate your honesty. Maybe you think Matt is right. Listen, if there was someone nicking something from the skip opposite me, you can have it, because that skip is an eyesore. But maybe you think Matt is right. Would you chase after them? Really? How far would you go to defend your house? 08459 455 555. People are being very honest this morning, and I appreciate that, but we do just have to say... Legally, you shouldn't do that. A couple of texts very quickly, then we'll move on to uh, the, the, the free school. Um, Helen in Milton Keynes says, A judge in Teesside released a prolific burglar. Oh, this is in the papers this morning. Yesterday, on the grounds, it takes bravery to burgle someone's house and I wouldn't be able to do it. That's the quote from the judge. Does our justice system make any sense? Thank goodness the couple in Leicestershire aren't being charged. 
08459 four double five five double five. Now, picture the scene. And this story is, is, is completely different, but equally as amazing. You want to drop your child or your grandchild off at school, but there is nowhere to leave them. No playing fields, and there isn't much of a playground either. And the school itself doesn't even have planning permission and could close later this month. That's exactly what's happening at Bedford Free School this morning. The Liberal Democrat-run council has twice rejected planning permission for it. David Sawyer is the councillor in charge of education. He spoke to our reporter, Justin Dealey, a few moments ago. So I'm currently standing on Cordwell Street. You can probably hear the traffic behind me. I'm directly opposite the new school, the Bedford Free School, which opens at 8.20 this morning. David Sawyer, welcome to the programme. Bedford Borough Council have turned down planning permission for this twice. Very briefly, just remind us why you've done that. Well, it's been done for one very important reason, concerns about the safety of children. The, uh, the planning committee said that there, was, there wasn't sufficient safeguards in place to ensure that every child entering and leaving the school would be safe in terms of the traffic. The Caldwell Street One-Way System is one of the busiest parts of Bedford. Uh, traffic here is going past the whole time, and we will be absolutely sure that no child is put at risk by having a school right in the middle of a busy one-way system. And just remind us how fast this road is. Well, the speed limit, of course, is 30 miles an hour, but the point is that it's the volume of traffic as much as anything, not so much the speed. Um, what we don't want to see is ch- as children having to walk between cars that are moving and putting themselves seriously at risk. I have a real concern about this. So the school have ignored you, and they're opening this morning. Just how angry does that make you feel? Well, as I've said, I, I am very concerned about the safety of children. For me, that's absolutely paramount. I would see no action taken that will put any child at risk. But this school's gone above you. That must make you feel... Well, very, very angry indeed, because you firmly believe that this school uh, are putting children at risk. Well, they've appealed to uh, the government inspector, and that individual will make up their own mind. I I just hope that the government inspector takes very seriously my concerns, the concerns expressed by the council, doesn't simply overrule us, as is so often the case. Now, this decision will be made by the government and not yourselves. It's gone above you now, so that decision is due on the 25th of September. Do you think this school will be closed by the end of September? I really have no idea. It's it's almost impossible to predict how government inspectors are going to behave, Um, but there's a process, they'll have a hearing. As I've said, I just hope they take as seriously as we do our concerns about the safety of the children. Looking around the school right now, uh, the school is surrounded by double yellow lines. Uh, The parents are being told to park in a nearby pay and display. Do you think the parents will ignore that and park on double yellow lines? It's it's difficult to say, but... um, Outside, any, every school in Bedford has a problem with uh, parents dropping off children. They're usually stopping on the yellow lines that we see zigzags outside schools. It's a problem for all schools. I think it'll be a problem for this school as well. If there are parents listening and they have every intention of parking on these lines, have you got your CCTV car out this morning? Well, it, it could well be, but my message is don't do it. It's illegal, it's dangerous, it puts the children at risk. And just lastly on this, you did say to the school beforehand, look, why don't you wait until the decision is made? We have got places for you elsewhere, but again, they've ignored you and just gone ahead. Well, it's, it's for, for the children, it's their first day at a new school. It's a really exciting time. I'd like to actually wish the children um, every success. It's not their fault that the school's chosen to open in this place in Bedford. I want every child to have a successful career at school. I hope the parents who've chosen this school feel that the school does well by the children. But I am concerned, as I'm sure parents are themselves, about the safety of children. I hope they don't park on WLO lines. And Justin Dealey is outside the Bedford Free School now. So if you live nearby and you've got an opinion on it, or if you're a parent or a grandparent or a carer dropping off a child, uh, find Justin uh, and have a word with him and you could be on the air with us. 
It's 7.15, it's Thursday the 6th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The French authorities say a four-year-old girl has been found alive under the bodies of three people thought to be British tourists shot dead in a car in southeastern France. A couple who were arrested after they fired a shotgun at suspected intruders at their home in Leicestershire have been told they won't face charges. In sport, Andy Murray has reached the semi-finals of the US Tennis Open after beating Croatia's Marin Cilic. Have weather in a few minutes with Jim Bacon. And coming up, how far would you go to protect your home? We'll hear from one man who would shoot intruders if they entered his property, no questions asked. Looking for your stories on this as well. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. All this morning, we have been talking about how far you would go to defend your home from intruders. A couple have just found out they won't be charged after firing a gun at burglars. Earlier on, I spoke to criminal defence barrister Jeremy Dean QC, who says the law is hard to put into practice. Well, according to the law, the principle is very straightforward, which is that a person is entitled to use reasonable force to defend their property. Obviously... When put into practice, that principle can become far more complex. I mean, it, it, is, it is vague. The difficulty is that, you know, there has to be a principle of law to govern every situation, whether this type of situation or any other situation. Mm. And obviously the reason why we have juries and sometimes trials become protracted is because when, you know, um, real-life situations arise, applying that principle of law can be much more difficult. And this case that you've been talking about, the one that's been publicised over the last 24 hours is a a prime example of how, you know, situations can be very, very difficult to address in real life. 08459 455 555. How far would you go to defend your home? Joe is in Letchworth. Good morning, Joe. Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, Joe. What would you do? Well, as a... uh, I would shoot them. It's it's plain and simple. Um, Okay, let's let's stop a second. uh, Do you own a gun? Yes, I do. And I'm assuming it's all legal and it's above board and that's, that's fine. Of, of, of course it is. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm, like you, Ian, I've got two small kids. Yeah. And if someone comes into your house, the adrenaline starts pumping. I mean, you said it a minute ago when you went round to your friend's house, mm. you know, that you, the adrenaline, it either makes you fight or flight. So you were sitting there and the guy was there. You could have taken him, but you didn't. So that so logic goes out the window completely in these situations. So, yeah. Um, and I've got to say, you know... I've got a wife. I've got two young kids. I'm, 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 I'm going to use um, I'm going to use deadly force. It's as simple as that. So. And you're going to that's going to be my next question. Would you shoot them in the knee, or would you, where would you shoot them? I would always always go for the injured, never for the kill, because because I say you know with a shotgun there's no need to because you can pretty much aim it in that direction. You can guarantee someone that shot is going to hit them. So. You know, I would only go for the kill if they were coming at me with a weapon. If they were unarmed but still coming at me, I'm just going to shoot them in the leg. Just just to stop them in their tracks and then let the police deal with it. Joe, you heard uh, Jeremy Dean QC earlier on, possibly, and uh, uh, he was saying that if they were leaving, if the burglars were leaving the property, you have to let them go. Would you let them go or would you shoot them in the back? I'd be tempted, but I wouldn't shoot them in the back. Um... Because what you've got to consider, if you're going to shoot someone in the back, because obviously they're, they're trying to get away. But again, it's like you said earlier on, Ian, you don't know what they're trying to get away from. Mm. Um, you know, they, they could have already, you know, attacked someone in the house, in which case, yeah, you know, you're going to stop them. Um, but, but if you're going to shoot someone, if you, as they're sort of trying to get out the property, what you've got to take into, into consideration, right, a shotgun uh, fires uh, about 1,300 feet a second. That's what the speed of the shot. If you miss, 
and that shot then goes out out the window or out the door, you've then got to think about well, what happens if that hits a member of the public. So, do you know what I mean? You've, you've always got to have that in the back of your mind. But again, you're not thinking of that when someone's in your house because logic goes out the window because your primal instincts take over. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating your honesty. I'm shocked, because I'm still quite naive around guns, but I'm appreciating your honesty, Joe. So in conclusion, someone breaks into your house, they go for your kids, you would shoot them and kill them if you had to? Without question. You, you, you go for me, I'm, I'm, I'll, in, I'll injure you. That'll just be it. But you go for my kids, and it's the way I see it. You, you know, I would. Absolutely, and I would. And you know what? They... they in most other countries in the world then the law is quite simple you break into someone's house then as far as the law is concerned you know um, if you upset that person and they've got firearms they are well within their rights to shoot you and quite rightly so joe thank you for that that is the law in other countries i have got i have to stress the law in this country is uh if someone is is fleeing your property you let them go joe listen thank you I appreciate your honesty. A lot of honesty on this, uh, and it, I, I'm I'm surprised. I am surprised. I think. What would you do? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Are you kind of a bit surprised by these stories, or are you thinking, yeah, Joe's absolutely right. Of course, I'd shoot them. Of course, I'd kill them if I had to. Kill someone? Really? I don't know if I could. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. I'm still thinking about Joe from Letchworth. Did you hear that call? Joe's got a shotgun. I wanted to ask him why. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm so naive. I'm surprised that people have guns in this country. I don't know. Maybe he's a farmer. Maybe he's a, you know, he does it as a sport. I don't know. But he said that he would shoot someone uh, with his shotgun if they broke in. And if they were going for one of his boys, he would kill them. As a dad, you know, if someone was attacking my boy and it required deadly force, I suppose I, I, suppose I would. Of course I would. Of course I would. You'd do anything for your kids. If you're a parent, you would do anything to protect your children. But, um... I don't know, what did you make of that call? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Moving on, if you use Bedford Hospital, then uh, listen up. The hospital uh, is struggling for its future. It has been for a while, so you're probably aware of this. It's so far failed to achieve foundation trust status that it needs in order to survive. It's now seeking interest from other NHS organisations to go into partnership with to achieve foundation trust status by the end of March 2014. Dr Barry Monk left the hospital this year, but it was behind, uh, but was behind a campaign to save it back in 2006. Very quickly, Barry, if you can explain, for those who don't know, what does foundation trust status actually mean? Well, this is um, a system by which hospitals are supposed to um, become independent, not independent of the NHS, but um, be under their own um, autonomy. And for this, there are certain criteria. I'm not totally, I'm not a manager, I'm not totally au fait with these, but these have got to be of a financial uh, nature but also um, showing that they're able to provide a proper, safe and appropriate service. Why, why did you start your Save Bedford Hospital campaign in the first place, Well, Barry? it was almost exactly uh, six years ago, September 2006, because I saw the writing on the wall that um, Bedford and other district general hospitals around East Anglia, but Bedford in particular, was being starved of resources so that it couldn't um, maintain... Um, some of the services that it really needed to be a comprehensive district general hospital. In other words, I perceive that there was some sort of plan or um, 
nationally to reduce the number of hospitals of Bedford's size. Uh, and the way this was going to be achieved was not by announcing they were going to be shut because that would cause such an uproar, uh, but by just starving them of what they needed in order to grow, and uh, as hospitals do need to grow, to become financially viable, to be, you know, viable in terms of the amount of work they do. But you said it's almost six years to the day since you started this campaign. Do you think that the uh, hospital should have achieved trust status by now? That seems an incredibly long time. Well, um, Foundation Trust, uh, the system that started, I think, about four, four or five years ago. And, um... I think that there are people who who have not done what they should have done. I think there are people around who really need to hang their head in shame because this announcement uh, is really after 205 years of Bedford Hospital serving uh, the people of Bedford and Bedfordshire and being a very, very fine hospital with wonderful doctors and wonderful nurses. Uh, this is going to be the end of Bedford Hospital as uh, an autonomous, independent unit. It'll be taken over and cherry-picked by some larger organisation or, or by several organisations. Um, and it will not be the Bedford Hospital as we've known it and loved it. Is a partner likely to get on board now? I have no, I have no real idea, um, because uh, things have been allowed to run down at Bedford Hospital. Senior staff, uh, nursing and medical, have gone and not been replaced and so on and so forth. A lot of people are suggesting that this is the end of the hospital, that, that, that this is, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's end. Well, I think that, that uh, in the way that we know a hospital, yes, I'm sure there will be some services run from there, but this will not be a hospital with the things that we take to be standard for a hospital, an accident, an emergency department, open 24 hours a day for all admissions and uh, all the other services that we take it as, uh, as read that, that a proper district general hospital will have. Very quickly, uh, Barry, why is Bedford Hospital so important? Well, I think it's a much-loved local institution. I mean, I worked there for 25 years. I gave my heart and soul to it, uh, as a lot of uh, people do. It's the sort of place when you work there um, as a doctor or a nurse or um, even the cleaning and the portering staff where people do seem to give it their heart and soul. And I think we've been... Uh, let we and the people of Bedfordshire and Bedford have been really let down by certain people. Dr Barry Monk there, thank you for that. He left the hospital, Bedford Hospital, uh, this year, but has been behind a campaign to save it back in 2006. What do you think? Are you, have you used the hospital? Are you going to miss it? It's looking like it's on its way out, isn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Don't forget, Bedford Free School. Uh, our reporter Justin Dealey is down there all morning. If you are listening to us on your on your way to drop your kids off or your grandkids, or you live around that area, do give us uh, do try and meet up with Justin and have a word with him and tell us your views on this school that has no planning permission. Nearly seven thirty. Let's get the latest news now with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, just how far would you go to protect your own home? I'll be taking your calls on what you would do if a burglar broke into your house. And if your son or daughter has been struggling to get on the housing ladder, particularly if they live in Bedfordshire or Aylesbury, I'll be telling you one of the reasons why they might be having problems. It's very interesting, so do stick around for that. But we are talking about this burglary situation. A couple in Leicestershire have not been charged... 
um, with anything after uh, firing a gun, a legally owned shotgun uh, at burglars. And we're asking this morning, how far would you go to defend your home? 08459 455 555. Martin's in Hertfordshire. Good morning, Martin. Yes, good morning. Martin, what would you do or what have you done? Well, if I could just tell what happened to me. Please do. Um, you know, listening to, to other people phoning in until it happens to them, you really don't know what you would do. But um, I'd, I'd broken my leg and I'd been in the house for two or three weeks, not leaving the house at all. And um, I was with a new girlfriend at the time. And um, she went to work about five o'clock in the morning. And as normal, she would open the back door and let the dogs, you know, the dogs would come and go, as uh, you know, particularly in the summertime. And um, I got, it was five in the morning, I thought, well, I'll get up and make a cup of coffee. So I got up, I managed to get down the stairs on my bum because my leg was in plaster. What a beautiful image you've painted there, Martin, thank you. <laughs> and um, we had sort of like a long hallway, and I remember walking up the hallway as, as you know, as if... Well, you know, it was just a normal morning, and yeah. um, I went into the kitchen. I flicked the button on the kettle, and this this figure just sort of passed me and, and went out the open back door. I just sort of went out, but it was, you know, I sort of see just woken up, and you, you just didn't. I just wasn't sure whether it really had happened. Yeah, your brain so, wasn't quite engaged. I couldn't I couldn't move very fast either because of, because of being on crutches and. Um, I, I did, didn't really, it didn't really register, and then within a few seconds, although it seemed like forever, um, another guy walked past. What was what, walked up, walked out of the house? Well, just walked towards the back door, right? And you know, at the time, it's it seems like it's 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 unreal, and I just turned around, and there was this guy, and I. And his back was to me, and he was walking out. And I, obviously, your reactions are, you know, I, 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 I said to him, "Well, what are you doing in here? What, you know, who are you?" And in, not in those words, obviously. No, I'm, I'm well done for censoring yourself. Road. It was appreciated. Yeah. Yes. And um, and and this guy just turned round, and he stood there, and he looked at me, and he didn't move. He just stood at the oh. back door, you know. And and now I am standing there, you know, with my crutches. By then, I'd sort of leaned on a chair. And he, he never said a word. He just stood there. And, of course, I'm now shouting, you know, what on earth are you doing in, in here? And he just slid out from his trousers. He had sort of, like, tracksuit bottoms on. He slid out this large knife oh my. type of machete thing. You know, it, oh. this was... This was uh, um, Ten years ago now, yeah. and and um, you know I've never told the story really to anyone. And listening to you this morning, I feel that you know I need to phone up because of what other people are saying. And and he slid this knife out, and he never said a word. He just stood there, and he, he held it in his hand, low down, and he was just flicking it. You know, just how did Martin? Inside. You see that? I'm I'm uncomfortable even hearing that. How did you feel in your kitchen at five in the morning with a fella pulling a machete out of his but trousers? This, this is the reason I'm phoning up, because people have said they would do this, they would do that, they would do the other. It doesn't happen. Mm. This is, like, so slow and unreal, you're, you, don't, you, you can't even think of what, oh, yeah, you know, I'd shoot the guy, I would just wound him. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You, you know, my reaction... But this guy just stood there, and he wouldn't say a word. He just looked at me. And he obviously realised that I was no threat to him because yeah. I was on crutches. But I, 
But I did, I picked the chair, you know, I was leaning on a chair, I picked the chair up, threw it at the back door, and by then he had sort of obviously realised, and he had walked backwards, and then I just fell over because I had no crutches, no chair to lean on, and I, I remember falling over on the kitchen floor, and he just stood there, and he and he just turned his back and walked away. And walked out. It was, and he walked, wow. and I, I crawled up the hallway, managed to get onto the stairs. By then, I had my phone in my in my um, dressing gown pocket, and I, f- I phoned my girlfriend, and she was only five minutes up the road. Yeah. She'd only just left the house, so they must have been watching. And Martin, uh, listen, we've got, we've got to move on to get some more voices on, but thank you so much for that. What a story! I, I'm uncomfortable listening to that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Martin's never told that to anyone. He chose us to tell it. Thank you, Martin. I appreciate that a lot. Steve's in Dunstable. Steve, what's your take on this? Hello. Yeah, um, it's a bit. Of, I suppose a bit of a hard one, Thomas, because some of these burglars are obviously druggies and all that. I don't know what the percentage is, but obviously, surely we've got to deal with that issue. If the percentage of burglaries is caused by drug addicts, surely we should certify them. And and how would you how would you sort that out? What get them into rehabilitation? Help them get well? Yeah. Well, well, make them. Make, make them. I mean, this country's like, oh, yeah, democratic. They have to do it if they want to. Well, I don't agree with it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if people are below you, below standards, you've got to make them up to- But you know, Steve, I, well, maybe you don't, that, that, that addiction is a disease and people will only get well when they're ready to get well. You can't make them get better. Why? Why not? Because it doesn't work like that. It's a, it's a disease. <laughs> no, some, sometimes people have to be told. You can't let people just go la di Anyway, the other thing was, was what about the other issue that I was going to come across was yeah. arm every house responsibly, obviously. Hang on a minute, you, you've, that, there's an oxymoron. Arm every house with a gun. Yeah, with a pi- just a pistol. Nothing. Oh, just a pistol. Okay, okay. okay, yeah, just a pistol. That's a- Why on earth would you do that, Steve? Well, if, it, if burglars have got any sense, they're not going to rob anyone's house. Hey, right? guess what? Burglars will live in houses. They'll have guns as well. Well, no, obviously you're going to have to suss that out. That's what <laughs> oh, okay, so yes, yeah, so in your clever plan, Steve, only the it's good people will plan. get the guns and the naughty well, people won't get guns. Well, I wouldn't say there's many pe- good people in this country anymore. <laughs> Okay, Steve, there we go, Steve. Uh, every house should have a gun, except for the houses that burglars live in. I, I, I can see a flaw in that plan. 08459 555555. Thank you, Steve, for putting your point, view, uh, point of view across. Uh, now, your son or daughter may be struggling to get on the housing ladder. It is difficult. Um, and it may be because they can't find a house that they can afford to buy Research out today reveals a building backlog of 400,000 new homes which have received planning permission but have not yet been completed. The local government association also says that in central Bedfordshire there are over 4,500 with building work yet to start on 1,600 approved plots. Aylesbury Vale has the next highest amount of 2,700. Uh, Tony Newman is from the local government association. Good morning, Tony. Hi there, good morning. Why are houses not being built? I think there's a number of reasons, um, but the, the, the main one at the moment in, is in terms of finance. Many people um, who perhaps would have got a, a mortgage, first-time buyers, couples a few um, years ago, are now um, finding it very difficult in terms of the banks and uh, failure to lend and other um, organisations failure to lend. I think it's part of the wider economic backdrop as well. There's a sort of um, job insecurity, fear of potential unemployment out there holding some people back. But th- th- this is uh, interesting, as your introduction uh, has highlighted, because this discussion's come around today because of the um, government suggesting that the issue is um, 
the planning process and I, I think as uh, the local government association's figures prove pretty conclusively that isn't the issue the planning permissions are being granted and it's about getting the uh, developers on site and getting the uh, wider economy moving. well if i've got this right it, it's it's rumored isn't it that, that um, i nearly said tony blair god how old am i david cameron is going to announce plans this week to make planning permission easier in in an attempt to get more houses being built but you're saying that that isn't the problem the planning permission is already there yeah, there's planning permission for 400,000, and 50% of those, uh, granted, 50% of those aren't even on site yet. And if there was no planning permissions granted for another three and a half years, uh, that, that 400,000 would take that long at the current rates to get built. And the real fear with what David Cameron is suggesting is, because of, I think, of his failure to understand the issue here, if, if, if he uh, loosens as being suggested um, planning permissions on the Greenbelt, we could see development uh, sort of let rip on the Greenbelt, whilst we still got 400,000 planning permissions granted um, in the system already. So I think, you know, government need to have another look at where they think the, the, the problem is, because we do not think, as these figures uh, show, that it's planning permissions and, and local government and councils that's the issue. There's an issue about um, getting the developers who've got the permissions onto the site. Now, part of that might be down to the developers, but in part, it's got to be the, the, the wider economy and getting investment going again and giving people the confidence to go out there and um, if they're looking to buy a house, buy a house, but also get councils um, freed up to build some new council housing so those that perhaps can't afford to buy at the moment could afford to rent. Tony, there are many unfinished plots in Bedfordshire. Is there a reason why one area has a higher number than another? Not particularly, although it could, it could be to do with um, Bedfordshire would, would have relative to some other areas perhaps higher land values, which means the issues we're, talk, we're talking about here um, could could be exaggerated. But the, the, these figures, we're, we're up and down the country, um, the, the issue is the same. Um, you know, that there are outstanding permissions, um, uh, as I said, over the whole country, and um, we're still not seeing enough um, uh, developers on site with the permissions given. So is this potential change in the law, I'm, I'm scratching to get my head around this, is, is it going to have any effect or is it just going to mean that we're going to lose a load of Greenbelt land? Well, 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 I think that there's a risk there, and because of the um, sort of false premise that, that, that the uh, change in the law is uh, based on, which I think these sort of figures blow out the water, that, that, then we could see a potential chaos, we could see... Um, you know, development on the green belt where, where it, it, it is um, not necessary because perhaps on an adjoining plot of land uh, not on the green belt, there's already an existing permission given. And I think there needs to be a far greater understanding of the situation from government before they let developers um, rip across the green belt. Thank you very much. That's Tony Newman from the Local Government Association. No doubt we'll be following that story uh, as it uh, develops. I- I'm keen to go back, uh, if we can, to the story of how far you'd go to defend your house because we've heard some amazing amazing stories and this is one of the great things of doing a show like this is you get people like martin who's never told that story to anyone got a broken leg comes down at five o'clock in the morning there's two lads in his house one of them pulls out a machete and just stares at him never told that story he chose us to tell that and that's why this kind of radio show is so powerful what would you have done in this situation there's not a lot you can do if they've got a machete or a weapon there's nothing you can do is there 08459 four double five five double five. Steve came up with the idea that uh, every home should be armed. That, that, that's surely nonsense. Once you start bringing more guns into the equation, then everything gets a bit riskier. Everyone is, is potentially in danger, aren't they? What would you do? And if you've been through it, 
maybe you've got a shop or your house was burgled or if you've been in that situation what did you do did you freeze or did you go for it how far would you go to defend your house oh eight four five nine four double five five double five this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday the 6th of September, 7.45, and these are your headlines this morning. The French authorities say a four-year-old girl has been found alive under the bodies of three people, thought to be British tourists, shot dead in a car in southeastern France. A couple who were arrested after they fired a shotgun at suspected intruders at their home in Leicestershire have been told they won't face charges. In sport, Andy Murray has reached the semi-finals of the US Tennis Open after beating Croatia's Marin Cilic. And your weather. Mist and fog to start with, but that will clear, leaving long spells of hazy sunshine and some occasional patchy cloud. There'll be a light southwesterly breeze, maximum temperatures 20 degrees. And coming up, imagine this. You're dropping your child or your grandchild off at school, but there's nowhere to leave them. The school has no playing fields, and there isn't much of a playground to speak about. Well, that's exactly what's happening at Bedford Free School this morning. Um, But it's all working fine in Hertfordshire. You can hear more on the show as you carry on listening. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. I think Jonathan will make an excellent mum. No, hang on, that doesn't make sense. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on at nine and he's superb. I know we might have some new listeners today who've tuned in just to hear me for whatever reason that may be. Stick around after nine because Jonathan is excellent. He'll be in in about half an hour or so to uh, let us know what's going on uh, on his show. Now, I've kind of confessed this and it is a confession. I do have a, a, a dirty secret. I'm really enjoying Celebrity Big Brother. And I really enjoyed The Big Brother before that, but I think this celebrity one, it, it's had its, its quiet moments, but there's been some cracking stuff in it. Now, be honest, be honest, you like it as well, don't you? You do, you do. You say you don't, and you go, oh, no, not that blooming Big Brother again. Oh, is that still on? What, five, is it? Channel five, ten o'clock, is it? No, I don't watch that. You do watch it, you do enjoy it, because there are some interesting people in there. First off, if, if you saw the beginning, Jasmine. Oh, wow. She was bonkers, wasn't she? Uh, but th- for me, the star this year has been Bet Lynch. I, I, I find it difficult calling her Julie Goodyear because she's always been Bet Lynch. To me, the British Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> I like to think of her as. She got booted out of the Celebrity Big Brother house last night. Uh, and I'm uh, ashamed to admit it. I didn't watch it last night. I was watching it at quarter to four this morning. Yeah, I taped it and was watching it. She got booed as well as she came out of the Big Brother house. Here's the moment it all kicked off. It's uncomfortable listening, isn't it? That's all we need to hear, surely. It's uncomfortable listening. She's 70 years old. It kind of it brings up two things for me here. First of all, Celebrity Brother, it's a TV show, it's a game show. They're all kind of characters in a show. It's a little bit of pantomime. And, and did you see the show? Have you been watching it? Did she deserve to get booed? She was pretty... I'll say it, nasty in the house. There was a lot of stirring going on, a lot of bitching, and a lot of two-facedness. 
Did she deserve it? The other thing is, she is a 70-year-old lady. If my nan was still around, God rest her soul, and she got booed, for whatever reason, I'd be gutted. I know it's Bet Lynch, and she's tough, she can take it, she's bad all of this stuff, she's been in the papers, you know, she's led an amazing life. She married her stalker, that's how she describes him. So she can probably take it, but still, that's got to be upsetting, isn't it? I know I'm not speaking to everyone on this, but I'm speaking to some of the some of you people. I'm speaking to you. Oh wait, four five nine, four double five, five double five. Was Bet Lynch right to get booed last night? And if you're too embarrassed to come on the phone, you can send me a text. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Let me know if she was right to get booed. Now, we're talking about free schools uh, this morning. There was a free school opening in Bedford. Uh, it has not had planning permission. It's been denied planning permission, I think, twice. The main reason the local council have denied it, the planning permission, is they say it's not safe uh, around there for kids because it's such a busy road. And to have kids coming in and out of that school uh, just wouldn't be a particularly safe thing. If you're dropping your kids off this morning at the Bedford Free School or you live around there, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is there. You'll recognise him. He's dead good-looking and probably showing off a little bit too much hair, uh, chest hair. But go and grab him and have a word with him. He's really keen to get your stories and get your opinions on what's happening. Uh, Paul is in Biggleswade. Paul has called in. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Ian. Um, Justin must have paid you a lot of money to have said that. No, it's, it's all true. He's one of the most handsome men I've ever met no, in no, my no, life. No, that's a blatant uh, breach of trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Um, what's your take on this? Have you got kids going to this school? No, 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 I don't. No, I don't. Hey, my take on it is that I'm um, a driving instructor and I spend quite a lot of my driving working time driving around that area around Caldwell Street yeah and I would say that it's bad enough around there now just with the college because to be perfectly honest and to try to put it as politely as I can without offending anybody when those college students are turning up and when they get turned out of that college basically they haven't got the brains they were born with to be able to navigate themselves safely across the road because they I don't know what it is these days with youngsters they seem to have a terrible attitude to crossing the road and frankly they've got no road sense so goodness knows what it'll be like with uh, younger school children crossing so so it is quite clearly Paul, I think I think the younger kids are better it's because the teenagers never had Alvin Stardust telling them how to cross the road like you and I did (laughs) but uh, but that's always been the way is it that that teenagers they kind of just wander across the road in groups but you're saying that the 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 traffic there and the pedestrians that road is a nightmare as it is without having another school opposite oh oh, absolutely it is it's dreadful but the but if I could just um carry on from that now I remember distinctly absolutely distinctly remember I was listening to your program I think at the time it was David Priever was standing in on yes. the program it was, would have been about six seven weeks ago something like that yep. and he had this conversation with the headmaster of this would-be school and I absolutely distinctly remember him, David Sword saying um, what happens if you don't get planning permission and the headmaster kept saying well we've got contingency plans in place and David said well what are those plans he said well we've got contingency plans in place so I'm not prepared to discuss that now and he said so you'd be happy when you if you get turned down again for planning permission when it comes and you, you can't open you'll be happy to come back on the air and explain yourself and I remember him saying yes he would now I, I appeal to you to find that in your archives and play that because the, the I think this headmaster is really behaving very arrogantly. Well, Paul, listen, we, 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 will tra- we will see if we can track that down. We'll have a look. But I can tell you, after 8 o'clock, uh, Justin will be talking to the headmaster. Yeah, well, get him to put that to him, because I remember him 
because it, it stuck in my mind and I'm thinking, well, that'll be interesting to hear that yep. when, it, when it all falls flat on its face. I think it's very arrogant of this man to open this school in view of the fact that he hasn't got mm. uh, permission. If it were you or I trying to stick up a treehouse without planning permission, we'd have the council around with the bailiffs and pulling it all down with Bordeaux. Well, it's an interesting analogy you make there. Uh, thank you very much. That's Paul in Biggles waiting. Yes, Justin has uh, managed to get hold of the headmaster. We'll hear from him after eight o'clock and see what he's got to say. Uh, now, you may have no idea how the new high-speed rail network uh, will affect you. Well, if you live near Hartwell House in Buckinghamshire, you can find out by heading down to an open day there today. Ian Wilson is the Assistant Director of External Affairs at the National Trust. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Ian. What do visitors uh, say when they learn the route of the HS2? Well, a lot of people um, who come to uh, come to the, the hotel or come to walk around the grounds a bit or something like that, um, you know, are quite surprised at just how close the, the line is going. And, of course, we've been spending a lot of time over the last few um, sort of, well, a couple of years almost, really, talking to High Speed 2, uh, but also talking to local authorities, parish councils, landowners and other groups about the approach that we're taking. And today's really an opportunity for the public to come in and talk to us about, you know, what their thoughts are both about the high-speed rail line generally but also um, about what perhaps they would want to see in that area if the line goes ahead as well because we're trying to look forward. What are your main concerns about HS2? Well, we're, we're not opposed to high-speed rail, you know. Um, we're not for or against it, really. But what we've said is we don't like the route as it stands at the moment because of its impact at Hartwell, where our land will be taken, but also because there's impact from uh, in the Chilterns A and B, and we've got property at Coombe Hill, for instance, and um, there's other sites as well where, where we think we'll be affected. So uh, what we've said is that if you're going to go ahead with this, what we want to see is the best line possible, and we want to see the best mitigation possible. And and that's where we're really focusing our effort, and that's what we want to hear about today from people. Well, it seems HS2 is going ahead. Can you do anything to change the route? Um, our, my, my view, I think, is that, um, you know, if the government are going to go ahead, um, the route will pretty much stay as it is. I'd be surprised if, if it changes very much. Uh, there may be one or two very small changes, sort of 25 metres here, 25 metres there. Um, but, but I think pretty much it's the, the government has set on that. So um, that's why we want to focus our effort on making sure that the mitigation is absolutely um, world class. And on a different matter, you succeeded in watering down planning changes as building has increased, but not in the uncontrolled fashion first feared. Do you agree that the Chancellor doesn't need to change planning rules again? Well, we absolutely would rather see the changes that the government made uh, quite recently bed in to see how they are going to work. Um, you know, local authorities are currently rewriting all their plans are in a transition year uh, we'd like to see that um, that go through um, there may be small changes here and there that you know perhaps might help to get things going a bit in terms of the economy but actually what we fundamentally want to see is the whole system bed down and, and we think we've got um, still a good and robust system that shouldn't prevent good development happening. Uh, Ian thank you very much Ian Wilson is the Assistant Director of External Affairs at the National Trust um, and if you want to find out more about Hartwell House you can go down there today and uh, they're having an open day. My wife is a member of the National Trust, right? She got like a lifetime membership. Her parents bought it for her when she was a kid. And it was something like £200, which back then was a lot of money. Now, we looked into getting it for our little boy, a lifetime membership. It's like about £1,000 or something. It's a lot of money. But it's brilliant! You just go to all these old houses. That's uh, £5 to get in. No, it's not. I've got one of these. Always superb. 
Uh, after eight, we will be speaking to Justin, who is outside the Bedford Free School. Don't forget, if you're you're near there, go and find Justin, have a word with him, uh, and let him know your opinion. And also after eight, we'll be talking more about uh, how far you would go to defend your house. This is all in light of the story of the, the couple in Leicestershire who were held in police custody for three days but haven't been charged after they shot at uh, burglars. And we've heard some amazing stories. We've had Joe uh, in Letchworth who would fire a gun and would shoot to kill if he needed to. We had Martin uh, who came down in the morning was making a cup of tea and two lads just kind of stood in the kitchen. And he said, I, I, I must admit, I, I appreciated Martin censoring himself. I, when he said, who do you think you are? I, I kind of got the idea that wasn't actually what he said to, to the chaps in question. Uh, but he kind of was a bit shocked. And one of them pulled out a machete and just stood in his kitchen looking at him. Amazing. If you've been in that situation, 08459 455 555. Or if you know what you would do, or you think you know what you would do in that situation, do give us a call. You can text as well, 81333. Start your text 3CR. I'm not the only one. I knew I wasn't. Snuggle skunk on Twitter. They said, yes, Julie Goodyear did deserve to be booed. She's proved she's not a very nice person. Did she? She's 70. We'll find out more after the latest news with Catherine Boyle. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is your breakfast show, and this is me doing it now for a while, hopefully, unless something goes hideously wrong. It's always possible. Uh, We've got lots in the last hour of the show. Today, a school opens in Bedford, even though it has no planning permission. BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey has tracked down the head teacher to find out why, and we'll play that interview for you in just a few minutes. How far would you go to protect your home? A couple were held in custody for three days, but not charged after they fired a shotgun when intruders entered their house, and why your children may be struggling to get on the house ladder. You can give me a call about that or any of the stories this morning. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on at 9 o'clock. He'll pop in in about 15, 20 minutes, uh, if he remembers. Uh, And today at 9 he'll be asking, is shooting a burglar going too far? We've had some cracking calls. It's going to be a great listen. Thoroughly recommended. Uh, Now, imagine the scene. You want to drop your child or your grandchild off at school, but there's nowhere to leave them. You can't park. You can't get close to the school. There are no playing fields at the school, and there's not much of a playground to talk about. And the school itself, it doesn't even have planning permission and could close later this month. Well, that's exactly what's happening at Bedford Free School this morning. The Liberal Democrat-run council has twice rejected planning permission for it, but it's still opening its doors today. Our reporter Justin Dealey is at the school this morning, and he spoke to Mark Lahane, the head teacher. So, Mark, you're open for business very soon. In a nutshell, what is a free school? It's literally just a brand-new state school. We're like every other local state school. We're off-steaded. We have to do the same kind of exams. The key difference is we've got more control over how we run ourselves, and we have absolute control over how we spend our money and what we do in, for those children in front of us. So 200 people starting this morning. You're very excited, but the Borough Council have turned down planning permission twice. A government decision is due on the 25th of September. Are you going to win? Will you still be open come late September? Yes, we will. 
and tell us why you're so convinced that will happen. We've worked really, really closely with the council's experts for a long, long time to get this, and on both times that the politicians have turned down our planning application, um, their own experts that work for the borough have recommended that we get approved both times. So that's one of the reasons why we're so confident that we're going to get that um, just the right decision later on in September. Now, you're very confident, as you say, but by saying that, if this decision doesn't go your way, it's going to look rather embarrassing for you, isn't it? Well, we've already got the right planning permission that we need to open in this building. There is a bit of a conflict about that between us and the council. As far as being concerned, we've got the planning permission we need already, so it's business as usual. Our listeners can probably hear the cars behind us. It's on a busy one-way street, Caldwell Street here, surrounded by double yellow lines. The council say it's not safe for children. These children, of course, aged between 11 and 13. You would dispute that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, the council's own highways experts were very happy with the travel plan that we pulled together with them. It's just the politicians that disagreed. And what's the main selling point of this school? Because looking around right now, when I think about my school days, I think about the short walk to school. It wasn't a busy area like this. We had lots of playing fields, a large school area for us to play in at, at break times. You haven't even got a playing field here. So what's the main selling point of this school? Why would people want to send their children here? Well, whilst we don't have everything on site, we're like many of the private schools in the town where we'll be going and making use of all those great leisure facilities the town has got out there. In terms of what makes us distinctive, we're a small school, no more than 100 in a year group. We've got a longer school day, which is much more family friendly. It means we can cram in lots of great stuff for the students that they otherwise wouldn't experience. And also, we were founded by the community. This whole school is rooted in what local parents wanted, and I'm really proud of that fact. And how tough will you get with parents? You've sent them letters saying, do not park outside the front of this school. If they ignore that, what will you do as a school? We have already agreed with the council that we will fund enforcement measures. As you can see, they've put new no-stopping signs outside the road, outside the road here, as we suggested. We will have staff, as you'll see in a few minutes' time, out there, um, corralling students along in a safe fashion, and we're paying for enforcement measures. There will be traffic wardens out there making sure people are not doing anything dodgy on the roads. Our student safety is our number one priority. Their parents' number one priority is their own student safety. It's only the politicians that disagree with that. And I've got to get this in briefly as well, and just lastly on this. Um, free schools don't have to have qualified teachers. All of your teachers here, are they all 100% qualified? We've got incredibly qualified teachers at this school. We've got a whole range of people working there, support staff and whatnot, but we've got a great team ready to go. It's Justin Dealey there speaking to the headmaster of the Bedford Free School. I didn't know that you didn't have to be a qualified teacher to work in a free school. I'd be up for a bit of that. I could probably, you know, teach something. I don't know what it would be. Playing Xbox probably isn't that um, sought after in the school. Uh, if you're there, Justin Dealey is there, grab him, have a word with him. It'd be interesting uh, to get your point of view. Or you can give us a call. 08459 455 555. All morning, we've been discussing this story about the uh, couple in Leicestershire who uh, shot at burglars. They were held in police custody for three days uh, and then they were released without charge. And we've been asking the question this morning, how far would you go to defend your home? We've heard some amazing stories. Some of you have called in and just said the most amazing things about what you would do to protect your home. Not there they haven't. I do apologise. That was my fault. We'll come to that in a second. I do apologise. It's my first day. I think we're allowed one or two technical mishaps and a little bit of confusion, shall we say. The computer system here is a little bit too complicated. Let's try this. I would shoot them. It's, it's plain and simple. I'm going to use deadly force. It's as simple as that. I would always always go for the injured. Never for the kill, because, because I say, you know, with a shotgun, there's no need to, because you can pretty much aim it in that direction. You can guarantee someone that shot is going to hit them. So, you know, I would only go for the kill if they were coming at me with a weapon. Arm every house. <coughs> Responsibly, obviously. H- hang on a minute. You, you've, <laughs> that, that's an oxymoron. Arm every house with a gun. 
Yeah, well, just a pistol. Nothing. Oh, just a pistol. Okay, yeah, just a pistol. That's. A... Well, if if burglars have got any sense, they're not going to rob anyone's house. Hey, right. guess what? Burglars will live in houses. They'll have guns as well. Well, no. Obviously, you're going to have to suss that out. I'm now shouting. You know what on earth are you doing in, in here? And. He just slid out from his trousers. He had sort of like tracksuit bottoms on. He slid out this large knife oh my type of machete thing. You know, it oh. was, you know, I've never told the story really to anyone. And he slid this knife out and he never said a word. He just stood there and he, he held it in his hand low down and he was just flicking it. Because people have said they would do this, they would do that, they would do the other. It doesn't happen. Mm. You're, you don't, you, you can't even think of what, oh yeah, you know, I'd shoot the guy, I would just wound him. No, you wouldn't. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you've got an opinion on this. Raymond is in Newport Pagnell. Good morning, Raymond. Uh, hello there. Raymond, have you been burgled or, or what would you do yeah. in this situation if you were? You have been. Well, a few years ago, somebody kept stealing my car at the front of my house and I get it repaired, they get caught. Uh, the police are doing nothing. They'd be back out in the street again. And a few weeks later, they'd, they'd keep attacking the same car because apparently quite easy to break into. I had enough. And, I, and my wife saw them trying to break into my car again about one o'clock in the morning. So I ran out there and ran after him and, and I hit the guy. And his friend ran away. And after that, they never broke into my car again. There was never any problem. But getting back to the, the rights and some the reason why you're getting so many people breaking into houses is because nothing really happens to them. If they were a deterrent, like they could get seriously hurt or even killed by breaking into somebody's house, well, there's a, there's a story in, the, in the, some of the papers today about yeah. a judge who uh, let a young lad off. Uh, he could have sent him to prison for two and a half years, but he let, let him off saying it takes a huge amount of courage to burgle somebody's home. No, it doesn't. The fact of the matter is, when you've got people running about having to break into people's houses to earn some sort of income for themselves, just basically tells you they're cheap cowards. And they haven't got the ability to go and earn a normal, honest income like everybody else. Raymond, when you, when you saw yeah. your car getting broken into, one o'clock in the yeah. morning, and you went out and yeah. chased the fella, were you not scared that they might have had a gun or a knife or there could have been a gang of them waiting for you round the corner? Oh, God, no. It didn't bother me at all. No, that's, not, that's the last thing I'm on my mind. I mean, you, what you've got to remember is you don't get gangs of organised criminals breaking into people's houses and breaking into cars. All at a maintenance of a town's got to be an opportunist. And the problem is, when you're in, when, and also when you're in the house, and getting back to hurting people in your house, when you're facing somebody who's broken into your house, you don't know who he is, you don't know what he is, you hear about people getting killed and raped and all sorts in the house. What would it's you do, Raymond, if someone broke into your house? What would you do? Oh, there'd be war. I would, I would, I would rip their heads off. They would not stand a chance, I tell you. But you and, know, and, but and, again, this is, and I have to stress this, because I think someone sent me a tweet, which I'll read in a minute, which I think is, uh, that yeah. maybe they've confused the issue slightly. But you, yeah. you can use reasonable force. Killing, yeah, some, killing someone isn't reasonable force. That's excessive, surely. Yeah, but what, 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 you're, what, what they're trying to get at is, and, and in this country, using reasonable force, it just gives... That's a, that's a problem in itself in the law because it's so vague you don't know what reasonable force is and for, for people to try and protect the house and families you can see young children like I got in the house mm. and there's somebody you don't know who he is you don't know what his intentions are you don't know nothing about him at all standing in your house as far as I'm concerned he's decided to go and do something he's got absolutely no rights whatsoever when he's in your house you don't know who he is you have to assume the worst 
Raymond, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. You've been tweeting me, at BBC3CR. Uh, Megan, I don't quite understand who this is aimed at. So I'm, I will assume it's aimed at me, but I, I, I don't know. Why would anyone, especially someone who is there to uphold the law, encourage people to break it? Disgraceful. I certainly haven't, and I keep reiterating what we heard earlier on from the QC. Uh, reasonable force, if someone breaks into your home, he said you shouldn't keep a weapon by your bed. And if somebody is, uh, is attempting to escape from your property, then you have to let them go. You can't shoot them in the back or stab them in the back. That's against the law. Uh, and we have had people phoning in saying that they would still shoot them, they would still attempt to attack them, they would kill them. And I've not in any way condoned those, uh, those points of view. If, if it sounded like I did, I apologise. It's not been my attention. Uh, but I, I am interested to hear them, because those are real opinions. That's what you, the listener, uh, think. Or maybe you don't. 08459 455 555. Uh, Lorraine tweeted at BBC3CR. You have to be very quick thinking to unlock the gun cabinet, load the gun, etc. What if the burglar was, was armed too? Uh, I think I've got this right. That if you own a gun, it has to be locked up safely in a cabinet. I think that's right. If it's a shotgun, it's got to be locked up in a cabinet. And she makes a good point. If there are burglars in the house, it, it takes a little bit of nerve and stealth to get to that cabinet, unlock it, load it up and use it. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Uh, on Jonathan's show after nine o'clock, he will be asking, is shooting a burglar going too far? So if you've got a view on that, I would, I would definitely stick around and listen. Thank you very much, Sophie. It's 8.15. These are your headlines on Thursday, the 6th of September on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police in southeast France investigating the murder of a British family in their car say they found a four-year-old girl alive hiding in the back. A couple who were arrested after they fired a shotgun at suspected intruders at their home in Leicestershire have been told they won't face charges. In sport, Andy Murray has reached the semi-finals of the US Tennis Open after beating Croatia's Marin Cilic. We'll have weather in a few minutes with Jim Bacon. And coming up, our reporter Justin Dealey is outside Bedford Free School this morning. Are you sending your children there? Why? We'd love to hear from you. There's no planning permission, no parking, no playground. You can either speak to Justin outside the school or give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm joined by something that I tried to get taken out of the show. Apparently it's a contractual obligation. <laughs> it's Jonathan Vernon-Smith coming in to sell his uh, wares no, this morning. How are no, you? Don't be beastly. It's your first day. Come on, don't be beastly. You smell wonderful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You do. You do. Thanks very much. Do you pee sitting down? I was listening <laughs> to a trail from your show earlier on. Because I do. I do. I do. I do. I, do. It's I so don't much like. Easier. I don't like the splashes. I think it's very unhygienic when men stand up and it splashes everywhere. I think sit down far nicer for everyone. And also, you don't. Want, you want to get as many rests as you can in these days. It's you? true. I'm just happy for a sit down. Yep. Yes. Uh, coming up at nine on the big phone in today, I'm uh, following on from your very interesting discussion you're having this morning, is shooting a burglar going too far? As you've been discussing, the couple arrested over a shooting during a burglar at their home have been arrested, uh, uh, have been released rather. Andy Ferry and his wife Tracy were held after a shotgun was fired during a break-in at their home in Leicestershire. They had been arrested on suspicion of causing grievous bodily harm, but the Crown Prosecution Service said it was clear that the couple did what they believed was necessary to protect themselves and their home. 
Well, from nine today, I want to continue the discussion that you've been having. Is shooting a burglar going too far? Do you think it's okay to shout at a burglar? Okay to chuck something at a burglar? But the minute you start going and getting a gun and shooting that burglar, that's when you are frankly going too far. Mm. You're taking the law into your own hands. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Or perhaps you're of the opinion if someone comes into my house. They have automatically lost all of their rights the minute they broke through my back door or through my window. And frankly, if I have a gun and I shoot them, well, it's their own stupid fault for breaking into my house. We've had some amazing calls on this, mm, including a guy who had was, was in his kitchen at five in the morning and there were just two lads there and one of them pulled out a machete. We had Joe calling in who said he would shoot someone. I, I, I'm of the opinion if they're coming to steal my telly and Xbox, you can take them. Just don't, uh, don't touch the face. You can take whatever you want. But if they make a move towards my kids, then you know you would do anything to protect your children i think i i don't know how i'd react mm. because touch wood i haven't been burgled yeah. and i guess you never know you know you might f- just freeze you yeah. might be unable to move you might as uh, one of our colleagues suggested this morning lock yourself in the bathroom in the in the f- in the hope that they won't come in but perhaps you are the type of person that says no do you know what they come into my house they try and steal things i've worked hard for i'm going to get my gun i'm going to shoot them and that's absolutely fine whether i kill them or not oh eight four five nine four double five five double five it's the big phone in at nine i look forward to listening to it thank you jonathan lovely to see you thank you and you see you later on it's going to be if you've listened to any of the calls on this show the jonathan show will be well worth a listen at nine o'clock because there will be some amazing calls i know it fantastic show if you're new as well to bbc three counties and i have had some tweets and emails from people who are tuned in just because i'm here and that's very very kind of you for following me i appreciate it stick around for jonathan at nine it is a cracking listen he's he's hilarious when he needs to be and he can also do some pretty good stuff so i would thoroughly recommend recommend listening to that we're getting some uh, more of your tweets we we did tweet about my uh, i did ask about my dirty little secret the um, Celebrity Big Brother. It is a dirty secret. Should Bet Lynch have been booed? Luby Lewis tweeted at, at BBC 3CR, Julie Hamda exit like an old pro. She hasn't grasped that honesty is good. I thought she was cracking TV. Fantastic. This morning we've been hearing about Bedford Free School. It's due to open today, but with no planning permission, playground or anywhere to drop off the kids. Well, free schools are not like that everywhere. Sue Attard is the principal of Hatfield Community Free School, which is also opening today. Good morning, Sue. Uh, Good morning, Ian. What do you think of those behind the free school in Bedford? Um... Well, obviously, um, free schools are independent organisations and um, the governors at the free school in Bedford have made their decisions um, uh, for whatever reason. So I kind of don't want to comment on a, on a, on a colleague school in terms of that. But do you think it's, it's, it seems unusual and brave, maybe, to open a school when they haven't got planning permission? Would you have been so bold? Um, no, no, we, we have a full um, temporary lease at Andros, on Onslow St Audrey's uh, Academy in Hatfield, mm. and that lease has been in place for many months, and um, our insurance is linked to that lease and then to our brand new school, which opens in a couple of weeks. Oh, so it opens in a couple of weeks. Tell us a bit about the school, Sue. What's so special about it? Um, it's, it's really special. It's been um, created from the needs of um, parents in Hatfield who want to educate their primary age children within the area and a group of um, really strong uh, local community leaders um, who feel um, the very special thing uh, about Hatfield is to allow children to build up um, resilience and aim for a better future and be respectful within their local area. 
And you're doing the council a favour, aren't you, by taking on 60 pupils who otherwise would have been without a school? Um, absolutely. I mean, we will open with 100% capacity and um, we already have lots of interest for next year also. So um, the local authority, Hertfordshire County Council and the University of Hertfordshire um, are strategic partners with us on this and they've been highly supportive of the project. And what's, what's the, 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 the full capacity of the school? What's, what, what do you hope to have eventually? Um, we will, um, our numbers will rise by 60 pupils each year until we're at full capacity in 2018 of 420 pupils. Well, Sue, listen, I wish you the very best of luck with that. That's Sue Attard, who is the principal of Hatfield Community Free School, uh, which is also uh, what is opening in a couple of weeks, and would appear doesn't have any of the problems that Bedford Free School is having. We'll have more on that before nine o'clock. Uh, now, uh, the uh, reshuffle. It's all been very exciting, watching these people coming and going and who's getting promoted and who's rumoured not to have wanted to move. Uh, 48 hours uh, after the reshaping of the ministerial teams, David Cameron and Nick Clegg are now shuffling the policies around and they're announcing plans to relax the planning laws. I'm joined now by our political correspondent, Paul Rowley. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. Uh, What does it mean for us? It means if you want to add a conservatory... I um, do. Yeah, right. Do you want a loft extension? Yes. Garage? Why not? It's going to be easier. Fantastic. According, it says here, uh, at the moment it can take a couple of months to get planning permission with all the form filling it entails. I know I've done it and I'm sure lots of our listeners have. But under measures to be announced in the next few minutes by Messrs Cameron and Clegg, you won't need to get approval if it's within six metres from your back wall. If you live in a, a terraced house, if, it's, if you live in a detached house, it's eight metres, which is, Ian, it's about that big right thank you that's oh, yeah, an excellent visual it's representation it is quite big it's double what it is at the moment roughly being from the old school it's between about 20 foot and 26 foot in in old money as it were does the government think that moves like this are going to bring britain out of recession it doesn't sound like the hugest change in policy to me not in itself clearly but we're now into the third quarter of this recession the housing market is clearly a driver of the economy and around 200,000 of us apply for planning permission every year Uh, 10% of them get knocked back a lot of them tend to be delayed so the rules will be relaxed and it's even more so I gather for businesses for shops and for industrial units in addition they're announcing that you're going to get extra help if you're a first-time buyer and you want to get on the housing ladder you can't get a deposit but you could, I say could, qualify for what's called an equity loan. That would be worth up to 20%, a fifth of the value of the property you want to buy. Now, will it work? Labour is saying, well, we're not against the idea, but we've heard this kind of stuff before. It's not really uh, done much so far because the number of new homes built in the last year has fallen by 10%, and they're worried a lot of this is just tinkering. They feel it's a kind of illusion of activity by the government with David Cameron effectively relaunching them this week with the reshuffle, and it won't be enough itself did it get the economy back on track you mentioned the reshuffle david cameron and nick clegg did last night complete their ministerial move around what does the new government look like a lot of people saying it's it's a move towards the right well it is i mean the the conservative party is a party of the right the center right and obviously a lot of the changes are being uh, put in place in the run-up to the next election when the conservative party will be facing the liberal democrats currently their partners in government uh, you know as individual parties so that's part of the shift it's also a much younger team as well 
a dozen MPs who only entered uh, the place at the last election become ministers. So lots of fresh faces, including more women. One of the criticisms David Cameron faced that it's, it, 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 you know, there are not that many in the cabinet itself. Cheryl Gillam at Amersham lost her place in the cabinet as Welsh secretary. Although a couple of the people coming in, you may actually know them because they used to work in the te- on the telly. Esther McVeigh and Anna Subri used to be television presenters. Like Who's themselves. Esther McVeigh? I know that. I do know that name. Yeah, she's got blonde hair and she's from Liverpool. I know exactly who and, she is. Yes. Uh, yeah, she used to have shows on Five Live yeah. on Breakfast uh, this morning or something in the past. She's now a Conservative minister at the Work and Pensions Department. So I think their abilities as pre- presenters is important. David Cameron, maybe even as much, have maybe more than the policy because the government admits they're not getting their message mm. across. What surprised me, though, Ian, is the number of ministers who've lost their jobs. I reckon it's 29 in total, which is quite a culling. It, it's a big shuffle, isn't it? There's a lot of people to go. Yeah, not even Margaret Thatcher, at her most brutal, would get rid of so many at that rate. But it's, it's David Cameron, it's, a, it's, it's the only major reshuffle he's planning this parliament. There are reports, though, that some of them took it badly. Three of them, apparently, <laughs> broke down in tears. Did they? Two of them were women, so there's some wimp of a bloke out there. <laughs> who wasn't happy. I think one of the women may well have been Justin Greening, who's clearly miffed that she's been moved mm. from transport to become International Development Secretary, not happy with the uh, a- any plans to uh, have a third runway. Paul, is there any truth to the rumour that Ian Duncan Smith said, I'm not moving? He did, absolutely. Really? He's not doing He was offered the Justice Department. He's in the middle of the welfare reform, but I think David Cameron was said, look, you've done your bit, you've put the policy in place, it's there, we need somebody else who's better than you on the telly to deliver it. He refused to move. Wow, that's I'm incredible. He, was, uh, he wanted to give that job, uh, to, uh, and he wanted somebody else to do welfare. So that that, that the thing is, if you if you can't stand up to Ian Duncan Smith, who was the quiet man of politics, uh, you know, some might say that uh, David Cameron is a bit of a wimp. Paul, listen, thank you very much, Paul Rowley, there, the uh, our political correspondent, talking about the reshuffle that's been going on across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the last half hour, a Bedford school which doesn't have planning permission and could close later this month has opened today. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been speaking to parents about what they think. We've also been asking, how far would you go to defend your house? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. That also ties in nicely with what Jonathan's doing at nine o'clock. His question is, is shooting a burglar going too far? So I would recommend you, Karen, listening to that. Now, I have confessed... And I'm slightly embarrassed, but I feel good that I've said it on air. I've got it out of my system. Uh, I am a fan of Big Brother. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, particularly the celebrity Big Brother. It's always a bit more exciting when it's people you know. It, the first night's always a bit disappointing because it doesn't have the big stars that you expect. But there have been some corkers in this year, I think. And for me, uh, the real star of the series has been Bet Lynch. Julie Goodyear, of course, but no one knows her as Julie Goodyear, do they? And what, if you've been watching it, what you, if you're a younger person, what you might not know is that in the 70s, Bette Lynch was hot. She was hot. She was a pin-up girl. Bit more like Les Dawson these days, but she's a 70-year-old uh, lady. Uh, we've got uh, TV critic Kevin O'Sullivan on the line. Good morning, Kevin. Morning. Uh, have you been watching The Celebrity Big Brother? Of course, it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your job. What have you made of, of Bette Lynch? Well, she's a sort of a kind of grotesque really isn't she um she, i mean she's been a really good contestant a really mm. good housemate but you know kind of hard to take your eyes off her but not necessarily in a good way i mean she she never stops chewing gum she's, she's chain smoke mm. she swears like a trooper i mean she makes gordon ramsay look like a vicar the way she speaks um 
and uh, to say she's been two-faced uh, isn't accurate. She's been about twenty-faced. I mean, she's and, uh, and gradually, she this time last week, she was actually popular with mm. the punters. But the, through the, through this week, you know, towards her demise last night, she's become like one of the most hated housemates of all time. People got sick to death of her conniving and. Also, uh, when she had a meltdown, when the, they all nominated her, um, you know, she, she, she behaved like a sort of typical showbiz child and got all sulky, and the people didn't like her for, for that as well. So when she came out of the house last night, that was one of the biggest boos of all time. It was an incredible sound. Uh, the, you know, 500 people booing a 70-year-old woman. Did, did she deserve it? Yeah she, yeah, she did deserve it because, y- you know, she didn't behave in a in a pleasant manner in the house i mean there was also there are all sorts of reasons to hate it i thought it was interesting that she uh, didn't come down the stairs so she organized herself a sort of slightly less dramatic ex- exit mm. you get saying i'm a 70 year old with a disability i think most of us are still wondering what the hell the disability is but, um, I, I, f- I find it amusing when harvey and uh, the the prince who looks like tony from hollyoaks overheard her talking and harvey's going she's been uh, given an award by the the queen she's not acting professionally at all and that was her th- Thing, wasn't it she'd say something to one person then she'd go and slag off colleen but then give colleen a big hug and then she'd go to the diary room it was an amazing performance was it a performance or is she like that well she was very much playing the game you know uh, so, so in, as i say that she should be given credit for that because it is a game and they are supposed to be providing entertainment i think she actually seriously thought she had a chance of winning because she's used to the, her popularity during her corrie heyday hmm. um uh, but I think she misunderstood that if you are seen by the the viewers, you know, to be up to these shenanigans, to be conniving, to be, you know, saying one thing to one person and another thing to another person, although it's very, very entertaining, you're not going to win popularity contests. And I'm afraid the people who vote for Big Brother, be it Ordinary Big Brother or Celebrity Big Brother, never once over the 12 years it's been with us, uh, have they ever worked out that you, you shouldn't vote out the people who are being entertained? That's the frustrating thing. They always thing. do it. I mean, they did it. They did it at the beginning of this this series with Jasmine, Jasmine Leonard, who was you know an atrocious person, but really entertaining. And it's same for Julie Goodyear and and these idiots who vote for these shows. Go, oh, I don't like her, and then they vote them out, and then we're left with a much more boring house. You're right. Jasmine was obviously bonkers and a, a damaged goods. I would suspect she should have stayed in because someone would have been murdered. I think. Which would have been good to see. As they always say, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with Celebrity Big Brother, but if somebody could be, could be given a machine gun, it would well, be much more entertaining. Who do you think is going to win, Kevin? I think probably Martin Kemp. I yeah. mean, one of the problems with last night's eviction show was you only had to hear the lynch mob outside. Every time his name was mentioned, they cheered like crazy. Yeah. Every time Judy's name was mentioned, they booed like mad, and Prince Lorenzo got a kind of apathetic ripple. So you just knew last night that, that Lorenzo and Julie were going to go. Martin seems to be popular. I've always had, outside bet, I've always thought Colleen Nolan stands a chance because the loose women vote is uh, yeah. very powerful. You know, witness uh, Denise Welsh's victory on the last one. And Ju- Julian Clary has come across as a lovely bloke, but very boring. Well, he's kind of, he, what he is, he's very snobbish. Uh, he's very articulate, very witty, uh, but probably a bit too highbrow for the Big Brother environment. So, yeah. so the reason I don't think he stands a chance is he's not a Big Brother type. For my money, he's been easily the most entertaining housemate because he's so funny and he's so articulate. But 
I don't think he's a Big Brother type, so I don't think he'll make it. I've been asked a couple of times, and I've turned it down. Would you ever do it, Kevin? <laughs> well, it depends what the money was. I, yeah. If, if they got to, if they got to the point where the money was irresistible, I suppose I'd go in there with a heavy heart, you know, having sold all my soul. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, everyone has their price, particularly me. Mine's about 20 quid, I think. Oh, really? I, I, I was offered a little bit more than that. Kevin, listen, lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much. You too, mate. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. Kevin O'Sullivan there. I, I've been offered it a couple of times and there was one time I hadn't worked for a year and I was, you know, it was getting touch and go and I had the meeting and I was pretty much ready to go and then I got offered a job on a radio station and I was able to phone them up and say, do you know what, thanks very much but uh, I shall not be going into the Big Brother house. Never say never. You know, if they waved a quarter of a million pounds in my face, you'd have to say yes, wouldn't you? I turned down the jungle as well. I was up off of the jungle. Yeah, and I know exactly. I know exactly how much they offered me for that. And oh, it was, <laughs> it was tempting. It was very tempting. You've been uh, texting, and uh, that's appreciated. Eight one three double three. Starting your text three CR. Annie Hitchin says, "Thank goodness Julie's out of the Big Brother house. She was awful. Cheryl shouldn't have gone. Julian to win. It's one of those things in it. it. It's trash TV, but." It's a cracking watch. It is, it is one of those, it's a dirty little secret. It's a cracking watch, isn't it? We were talking earlier on uh, about uh, the free schools and about how Bedford Free School is opening today despite the fact it has no planning permission. There's nowhere to park the cars when you drop off the kids. There's no playing fields. There's not even much of a playground. Um, but people are, the school has opened and people are taking their children there. Dorinda is in where? Good morning, Dorinda. Morning, Ian. What's your take on free schools? Well, first of all, welcome to the Three Counties family. So, oh, thank you very much. You make it sound quite sinister. No one gets out of here alive. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, I'm here, for, I'm here forever. I'm, uh, thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to, to doing that, and I think we're going to have quite a, a, a good show for you, so keep listening. Yep. Well, What's your take on free schools? Yes. My worry with this is, now, I don't live in Bedford. I live in Hertfordshire, so mm. I've got no axe to grind as to where the school is or what it is. But what sort of lead are they giving the children... Let's go further down the line. They have a rule that you don't bring mobile phones into school, so the kids do, and the teacher says, I'm going to confiscate it, and you've got detention, and they say, no, we don't agree with your policy. (laughs) You're good. Yeah, go on. No, uh, I'm being serious about (laughs) it. Yeah, no, it's a a cracking train of thought to follow, yeah. It's, It's like when teachers go on strike, you know, they're telling the children, if you don't like what the rules are and what the ground rules are, you withdraw your labour. Well, if the kids in that school follow the leaders with this, they've got every right to disagree with things that they don't like. And what can they, what, what will the teachers do about it? In terms of the teachers going on strike, I can understand your point of view. I sometimes think that it can be a good idea for young people, not necessarily in primary schools, but maybe in, in, in sort of, you know, bigger schools when it's teenagers, for young people to see uh, industrial action taking place because they can, they can ask the teachers why are they doing it and they can also see it because it affects them personally. And I think that can be interesting. But yes, your point of view about the school has been given a rule by the council that it's chosen to break... Uh, it, you're right. What kind of message does that pass on to the kids? Well, I think it's giving them the wrong idea. It's, you know, right, laws are made, but you, if you don't like them, break them. Dorinda, I'm going to go off on a completely on tangent, and I know you're going to go with me on this, because I, I can tell by the sound of your voice. Have you been watching Celebrity Big Brother? 
I'm sorry, I don't lower myself oh, uh, <laughs> I don't believe you. I reckon you get a sneaky little glimpse of it now and then, Dorinda. Come on, you want to know what Bet Lynch is up to these days, don't you? No, I have, I have very little time to watch television. I'm very choosy as to what I watch. And I'm afraid these reality stupid things are, are, are well... I'd sooner watch paint dry. <laughs> you can watch that. There's a paint drying channel on uh, 237 on Sky. Uh, Dorinda, listen, it's an excellent point of view, and thank you for being so kind. Lovely to talk to you. 08459 455 555. I kind of knew that she wasn't a, a big brother watcher. I was teasing with her ever so slightly. It is a dirty little secret, isn't it? But I do quite like it. It's an interesting point that she makes. That the school have been given a rule by a governing authority, by the council, and the school have chosen to ignore that. I mean, we're going to be following this story uh, as, um, uh, as it progresses, and we'll be hearing from, from Justin hopefully before nine o'clock, who I think has been speaking to some of uh, the parents as they've been dropping their children off at school. But you do wonder, if this goes to the next level, the government, and they say, no, you can't open this school, what happens then? They can't ignore that. And then where do all the kids go who are at this school? It must be uh, frightening for the parents having this much uncertainty about the school. We know how hard it is to get school places. I'm, my boy's two and a half. I'm quite some way off that. But we're looking at moving, and we're already looking at moving into an area that's got good schools. You have to plan that far ahead. When we moved to this house, this was supposed to be the last move, and then we decided we're going to move again. But... Uh, 08459 455 555. Do you think that the uh, the school ignoring the rules set down by the council, do you think that sets a particularly good example to, the, sc- to the, the children? Do you feel safe knowing that your kids are going to a school that could possibly close? We'll hear from some of the parents a bit later on. But you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. You can text as well, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. And you can get in touch via the email, uh, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. These are your headlines at 8.45 on Thursday the 6th of September on BBC Three Counties Radio. The French authorities say a four-year-old girl has been found alive under the bodies of three people thought to be British tourists shot dead in a car in southeastern France. A couple who were arrested after they fired a shotgun at suspected intruders at their home in Leicestershire have been told they won't face charges. In sport, Andy Murray has reached the semi-finals of the US Tennis Open after beating Croatia's Marin Cilic. Your weather, mist and fog to start, but that will clear, leaving long spells of hazy sunshine and some occasional patchy cloud. There will be a light southwesterly breeze, maximum temperature is 20 degrees, and coming up, we'll hear from the parents sending their children to the school that doesn't have planning permission, has no playing field, or a place to drop them off safely. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been outside Bedford Free School this morning. BBC Three Counties. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio, here until nine o'clock when Jonathan Vernon Smith uh, takes over. We've been talking about how far would you go to defend your house this morning after the story about the couple that haven't been charged after they fired shots at burglars. Earlier on in the show, we spoke to Jeremy Dean QC, defence barrister, and this is what he had to say about it. Well, according to the law, the principle is very straightforward, which is that a person is entitled to use reasonable force to defend their property. Obviously, 
when put into practice, that principle can become far more complex. I mean, it, it, is, it is vague. The difficulty is that, you know, there has to be a principle of law to govern every situation, whether this type of situation or any other situation. Mm. And obviously the reason why we have juries and sometimes trials become protracted is because when, you know, um, real-life situations arise, applying that principle of law can be much more difficult. And this case that you've been talking about, the one that's been publicized over the last 24 hours is a, a prime example of how, you know, situations can be very, very difficult to address in real life. Well, that was Jeremy Dean QC, defence barrister, and many of you have called in with your opinions and your stories this morning. I would shoot them. It's, it's plain and simple. I'm going to use deadly force. It's as simple as that. I would always always go for the injured, never for the kill, because, because I say, you know, with a shotgun, there's no need to, because you can pretty much aim it in that direction. You can guarantee some of that shot is going to hit them. So, you know, I would only go for the kill if they were coming at me with a weapon arm every house <laughs> responsibly obviously H- hang on a minute you, you've <laughs> that, there's an oxymoron arm every house with a gun yeah with a pi- just a pistol nothing oh, just a pistol okay, okay yeah just a pistol that's a... well if, it, if burglars have got any sense they're not going to rob anyone's out hey oh. guess what burglars will live in houses they'll have guns as well well no obviously you're gonna have to suss that out i'm now shouting you know what on earth are you doing in, in here and he just slid out from his trousers. He had sort of like tracksuit bottoms on. He slid out this large knife oh my type of machete thing. You know, it oh. was, you know, I've never told the story really to anyone. And he slid this knife out and he never said a word. He just stood there and he, he held it in his hand low down and he was just flicking it. Because people have said they would do this, they would do that, they would do the other. It doesn't happen. Mm. You're, you don't, you, you can't even think of what, oh yeah, you know, I'd shoot the guy, I would just wound him. No, you wouldn't. Amazing stories this morning. If you've got a story and you've not managed to get on this show, uh, do call JVS at nine o'clock. He's asking, you shooting a burglar going too far? I'm sure you have an opinion on that. Uh, we've got Peter in Warmer Green. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Uh, have you been burgled? No, I haven't. What but, would you uh, do if you, if you were being burgled? Well, I, I suffer from high blood pressure, so I'd stop the burglar's quickly as possible by whatever means available and then just as soon as the policeman comes you just tell the policeman i've got high blood pressure and i stopped him to save my life full stop now when you say you'd stop him as as, as quickly as possible yeah. what, what do you hammer, mean by that hammer i've got a, a quite a hefty piece of wood there that's with a handle that i had for a banner uh, which has got sharp corners Whichever way possible, I'll stop him as fast as possible. Because I'd rather tell the policeman I've got high blood pressure and I did it in my own interest, my own safety, which is reasonable force. Uh, because you've got to say that first off. As soon as the policeman comes, you've got to say that. Because they will f- arrest you as a suspect straight away, otherwise. Would you kill uh, someone, Peter, if you had to? Well, I'd hit him as hard as I possibly could to stop him as fast as I could. So whatever uh, the consequences were, you've you, you got to. You can't do anything at half measures. You've got to remember as well that if... I, I mean, I've got a, an East London background. And lots of people there... It's, it's very strange. Because they... Um, they all, they've all got baseball bats and no one plays baseball. And isn't that strange? <laughs> Peter, thank you. It is strange. Peter and Walgreens, thank you for that. We've got a, um, a text about baseball bats. We'll read that in a little bit, I think. But uh, thank you very much. Can I just say, of course, it, it, the law is reasonable force. And if they're leaving your property, you let them go. Now, imagine this, right? You're about to take your child to school, first day of school, 
but the school has no planning permission, nowhere to drop them off, and no playing fields. Well, that's exactly what's happening to parents at one Bedford school today. Parents are being advised to use the pay-and-display car park in Melbourne Street, which is a three-to-five-minute walk from the school, uh, which is in Caldwell Street. That's going to add up over time, isn't it? Our reporter Justin Dealey has been there this morning getting uh, your opinions. Nikki, your 13-year-old child, Olivia, is starting school this morning. Why Bedford Free School? Well, two years ago, when Mark Lahane first mentioned about it was going to be Kempston Free School, mm. um, we were really interested. My daughter was having a few issues at her previous school, and we thought it would be a good idea. But it sort of died off a little bit, and then two years later it's here in Bedford. But it's very controversial, because planning permission has been turned down twice. The school could be closed down on the 25th of September. That must concern you greatly, being a parent. It does, but I'm sure the council wouldn't leave the children in the lurch. There's got to be places elsewhere if that ever did happen. So There are places yeah. elsewhere, but in saying that, do you really want your child going to two schools in one month? No, but I just... I think this is a good school for my daughter. Well, I think it will be, yeah. so that's why I'm giving it a chance. So from the calm of the pay and display car park to the chaos, really, of Cordwell Street, already it's a chock-a-block, lots of cars coming along this road. I'm with Cheryl and Tracy. You've both got children starting today who are 13 years old. Cheryl, in a nutshell, is this road safe? What do you think? I think it is. There's plenty of crossings um, with proper pedestrian crossings. And they're old enough to know how to cross the road, basically. No. And are you worried the school might close down, though? Because planning permission, of course, turned down twice already. Of course, that is a worry, but I, I do think it will go through. I think it's just political, actually. And Tracy, what about yourself? Do you think the school will get planning permission? Yeah, definitely. Mm. I just think because the mayor's got no control, it's just something he doesn't want to happen. Why not? They're giving the school a proper education. Just leave them alone. Do you think parents will be as good as you and park around the corner and not directly outside the school and cause even more problems? Definitely. They stick to the school rules because they want their children to attend the school. They don't want any trouble for the school whatsoever. And a final word here from Mohammed. Mohammed, your child starts school today. Just how concerned are you about the future of the school, bearing in mind the planning permission issues? Well, I, th- I think the, every person uh, and every parent is concerned about their children of, with any schools because the parents, as a parent, we want best for our children. Um, and I think having, knowing everything about this school, uh, I seem to know a lot more about this school because there's been a lot of publicity where my daughter's previous school, we didn't know what was going on. Everything was, you know, never been told. But on this particular case, we know where we stand. And yes, in a way, we are concerned. But I think longer as the teachers, longer the school council, everybody supports this project, I think, you know, uh, this will be successful. We spoke to the head earlier on who says there will be no issue here on the 20th. 5th of September, we will get full planning permission and the school will remain open. Now, if the school is closed, how angry will that make you feel? Will you feel like you've been fed a pack of lies the whole way along, really, throughout this whole process? Um, I have to say, the school has been very open and very honest with parents, so we know the situation, but if the school doesn't get the planning permission, I personally would be angry with the council, because I do believe council has a responsibility as well, you know, in terms of having more school schools, more education, focusing on the local communities. Um, so, yeah, in, in, in answer to your question, I'll be more angry with the council as, as a taxpayer rather than with the teachers. 
Well, we'll follow that story, obviously, as it progresses, and uh, it will be interesting to see what does happen on the 25th of September, and we shall let you know. And uh, Excellent stuff there, Justin. Thank you very much. Uh, talking about burglary, we've had some texts and some emails. Thank you for that. 81333, start the text, 3CR is the uh, the text number. Talking about baseball bats, we had a caller uh, earlier on there. Um, I was a victim of a serious crime, and after the police told me I could keep a baseball bat next to the front door, so long as I had a baseball near it, if I was worried my attacker was near says Anon. Gary and Luton, I've been surprised we've had a few gun owners calling in. I know, it, may, it makes me slightly uncomfortable. Uh, Gary and Luton says, I am a legally held gun owner. I think people who are saying they would shoot a burglar are mainly talking emotively about extreme situations, and I'd probably say the same thing myself. However, in reality, I think most burglars, once they've heard your footsteps, would make for the door. By the time I got through my gun security and got it out, and my security for my ammunition... I think they'd be long gone. Please remember that legal gun owners are extremely responsible people who take gun safety very seriously. 99.9% of any gun incident you will ever hear about will be committed by somebody with an illegal gun. Good point, Gary. True. You do hear sometimes, though, of legitimate gun holders who maybe don't quite follow the rules as closely as you. But I, I think you're probably right. I think most burglars, when they hear you, they want to burgle empty houses, don't they? Or people that are asleep. When they hear you, they would go, wouldn't they? Or am I being naive? Uh, Pat has emailed us, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. The police are near on useless. Well, this is a bit harsh. And the justice system is on the side of the criminal. So I would, and without doubt, like to believe that I would go for the kill if a burglar was in my property. I've already made my mind up. If I do not do something about it, he will only get a tap on the wrist in the courts to re-offend again. The people of this country have to take the law into their own hands if our justice system and our police forces are no more than a joke. That's from Pat. Strong words. Uh, Emotive. I'm generally on the side of the police. Most of my dealings with the police, and I've had a few... Most of them have been excellent. I've had a few where I've been talking to numpties who've been no good whatsoever. But generally, the police have been good. I think, you know, you hear about this story today in the paper, where the judge lets the the lad off when he could have sentenced him to two and a half years. I think the police are frustrated at that, aren't they? The police want to do the arrest and they want to get people in the prison. It's the judges that, that let them off and frustrate everybody. Anyway, it's a cracking uh, topic, and and JVS is is following that vein. Uh, And after nine, he'll be asking, is shooting a burglar going too far? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give him a call. I thoroughly recommend you do. Uh, Don't forget, I am the breakfast show host, so I'll be back tomorrow at six o'clock, which I'm uh, looking forward to. I'll be honest, though, the first early morning, boy, was hard work. It was hard work. But thank you, everybody, who's called in. Stick around, because after nine, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who is fantastic, will be asking, is shooting a burglar going too far? I'll be back tomorrow at six. Thanks to everyone who worked on the show. Ta-ta. Beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian, and good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith.